Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Question of who's 5, 6, and 7 for that depth that you didn't have this year. Do you feel comfortable if Jake Woodford continues pitching the way that he has in his last two starts when he's gone, a combined nine innings and allowed one earned run in total over those nine innings? Do you feel comfortable with him being that sixth or seventh starter going into next season as the depth break glass in case of emergency starter. Can he convince you of that down the stretch run? I think he can. And I think he did in his performance against the Dodgers and frankly, in what he did against the Milwaukee Brewers back on September 4th. I mean, is it somebody that I feel I can put in a scenario like a long stretch if somebody goes down like this this season when Jack Flaherty was gone? That might get me a little bit more hesitant but if you're talking about a two-week stretch where I need somebody to step in for a guy who might be out or might need some rest, I feel comfortable with it. Look at what he's done in the minors since they sent him back down to actually get some work. He's actually been really good. I think the last three starts, what is it, five runs given up, and mm-hmm. he pitched a total of 18 innings? Go look at Johan Oviedo's numbers in the minors. They aren't that comfortable compared to Jake Woodford. So... If it's a two-week stretch, yes. If I'm talking about not having a guy for four months, that might make me a little bit shaky. But if he's my seventh guy or sixth guy, yeah, I'd go to Jake Woodford and feel fine. I So we got a text already. I figured this would come. 65780 is your comfort service text line from the 314. Guys, it's one game. Relax. No, it's two, first of all. Uh, and second of all. <laughs> yeah, take that. I'm not saying I'm writing him and pan into the starting five for next year. I'm not doing that. But the Cardinals are going to have some decisions this offseason as to what their depth will look like in 2022. Depth was the problem this year. If you believe Jake Woodford has taken a step this season and he can uh, he can provide that depth that they were looking for, well, then maybe you don't have to go sign a veteran. Maybe you don't bring Jay Happ back next year. And maybe it is guys like Libertor and Reyes and Woodford and Oviedo that are battling for that last spot in the rotation and whoever loses out is either in the bullpen or down in the AAA rotation. The guy that he reminds me of a little bit, what I hope he can become, Jake Woodford, Remember Tyler Lyons in like 2014, 15, 16, I think it was. He kind of reminds me of that. Tyler Lyons provided them the break glass in case of emergency starter where he could start five, 10 games in any given season and you felt fine about it. He wasn't a great starter, but he was perfectly adequate for what they needed at that time. If Jake Woodford can become that, I think it's a success for the Cardinals. Because you don't need him to start 30 games for you. That is not the plan for Jake Woodford. The guys that you need to do that are Libertor and Reyes and Oviedo. They're the young starters right now that you're counting on to be 150 plus innings down the road. 
Woodford's probably a swing guy moving forward. If he can be that, if he can be what Tyler Lyons was, where he's riding that I-55 quarter up and down Memphis to St. Louis, I think that's good enough for you. And I think he can be that. In 2015, when the Cardinals had one of the best rotations in the sport, the best rotation in the National League that year, Tyler Lyons started eight games for you. He appeared in 17. He finished the season with 60 innings and a 3.75 ERA. I absolutely think Jake Woodford could be that for you next year. And if he is, that should be deemed a success. But it starts right now in this stretch run for the Cardinals when they need him to step up in their rotation. I think if you're talking next season, though, you need more from him than that. Like, I like the Tyler Lyons comp, BK, but for me, I think I need a little bit more from Jake Woodford because if he, in right now, this season, next year, in my opinion, he is slated as the sixth guy because I don't think Johan Oviedo is ready yet because his re- his minors still have not matched to what Jake Woodford's did when he was down in Memphis. Matthew Libertor has been much better, but I think they might want a little bit more seasoning with him. I'm thinking more of a guy like a Luke Weaver. And I know a lot of people... He looks kind of like Luke Weaver. He does, honestly, actually. I mean, maybe that's why I went with it. I'm not really sure, but I think I went with it because his stuff isn't overwhelming like it's, oh, yeah, he's going to be a stud. But it's not bad where it's like, oh, he probably shouldn't be in the rotation. It's okay. Yeah, you'll give us what we need. Five or six innings, maybe give up three runs. He's a perfect five guy in your rotation. Jake Woodford shouldn't be your five guy in your rotation. But I think if the Cardinals want to succeed next year and not get into the free agent pitching market, they need him to be more like a Luke Weaver. Because I think Tyler Lyons, Tyler Lyons is going to give you a couple of weeks. Luke Weaver might give you a season, which I think is what you absolutely need from somebody who maybe he isn't that I-55 or maybe he is, but you really just need somebody who can be sturdy if you need him to. So that's the Jake Woodford storyline coming off of last night's game. There's also a Mike Schilt storyline to me. What happened? What did he do? Did he say it wasn't a must win last night either? No, 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 no. This is not anything against Mike Schilt. In fact, totally the opposite. Are you buying back in? No. You on the bandwagon? No. What are you doing, BK? The Cardinals are in this wild card race. Like, very much in the wild card race. You're back on the bandwagon. The Padres stink, man. They're 8-16 and in their last 24 games. The Reds aren't a whole lot better. They've lost each of their last five series. The Phillies, as much as their schedule opened up, they're the same old Phillies. They're losing games against teams that they shouldn't be losing to right now. The Mets, just it's it's just not going to happen for them this year, I don't think. Calling the kettle black right now, man. So the Cardinals are three games back of the Padres, two games back of the Reds. And if they finish this weekend with a sweep, I know, I know. Did you just say the Cardinals in a sweep? I know. Again, I know. High bar to clear. But if they did, they would be ahead of the Reds with every opportunity to finish ahead of the Padres the following week. So they're in this race right now. I'm curious. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. Is there anything that Mike Schilt or the Cardinals could do down the stretch of this season to get you back on the Mike Schilt bandwagon? I remember when he was hired and I was doing the show with Kevin Wheeler and people were thrilled with Mike Schilt. He got them uh, focusing on defense and base running again. He was saying all of the things post game that Mike Matheny would never. He was explaining decision making. He was he just wasn't Mike Matheny. And so people liked that about him. And then he continued being the manager and we do what we do with managers. And there were things that were flaws that we found out that Mike Schilt had, as does every manager. But I remember when we talked to Jeff Passan a few weeks ago, Alex, and he gave his thoughts on Mike Schilt. And I I think it's a pretty fair assessment of Schilt. 
he's a lifetime manager. And those guys, uh, I, I think, get a short shrift sometimes because they may not embrace analytics the same way that other managers do, but it doesn't necessarily make them lesser than. And and to, to sit here and to suggest that if the Cardinals had a new school manager, they would be in any different position than they are right now is absolutely silly to me. So I don't think the Cardinals are where they are because of Schiltz. But I do think he's made some questionable decisions this year that are fair to disagree with. I also think the Cardinals have every opportunity down the stretch to make the playoffs. And I do wonder, does that change people's minds on Mike Schilt down the stretch? Do you think there's anything he can do to change your mind on him, Alex? I think there's a lot he can do to change my mind to start. Stop sitting your starters in games and tell them that they need an off day. Like, make sure that Arenado and Goldschmidt and Yachty and stop playing Paul DeYoung every other day. That's a good start for me. Maybe don't bench uh, Dylan Carlson <laughs> in game three of a four-game set against the, the Dodgers. Maybe stop pinch-hitting Matt Carpenter in big-time situations. We're starting him two out of four against the Dodgers. All of those things. When he might, hasn't had a month in more than a month now. Maybe a hit in more than a month. Maybe now. make the right decisions in terms of pitching when on your bullpen and stop going to Alex Reyes in a closing situation and go to Luis Garcia anymore. Oh, okay, that's fine then. Well, but guess what? You're starting to get me back on board. I, I do think there are things that Mike Schilt can can push Cardinals fans back in the direction of yeah, he's a good manager for this team and I think it all starts with making the playoffs and I know people will be like oh well it's just a wild card spot and if you lose it doesn't really matter if you get this team to 90 wins if you get this team to 85 wins if you get this team into the playoffs I think that will sway people back in the decide the 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 decisions of okay you go get him better players and he'll probably be a good manager for this team but I I would argue Jeff Passan there at the end I don't think it's absolutely crazy to think with a different manager, a younger manager, that this team would be in a different spot. I'm just thinking more of the analytics and the split sides of things. I mean, we've talked a lot about this. If you go get a guy like Gabe Kapo, and I'm not saying he makes this team a, a, a World Series contender, but I think you're making decisions a little bit differently in terms of guys that you're putting into at-bat situations rather than just playing the vets because you want to. I think this team has a problem with personnel, though, to do that. Like who are the guys that you would want to platoon on this team? Well, because your left-handed option is basically Matt Carpenter, and your right-handed bat off of the bench, the best guy is Jose Rondon. He's better than Matt Carpenter, though. As a right-handed bat, certainly, but you you just don't have those pieces to use, and I think that's part of the issue. Now, trust me when I say, that doesn't mean that Mike Schilt has utilized them correctly. I think the best left-handed bat on this bench to come off of or to come off of the bench for this team, it should be Lars Newbar. I, I agree. Because Matt Carpenter hasn't gotten a hit in a month now. So I'd be going to Newbar over Matt Carpenter. So I think there's reason to quibble with that decision. But they just don't have a whole lot of great options on their bench. So it is a little difficult for me to go the uh, the route of, hey, he's not using the platoons. He doesn't have the players to necessarily do that right now. But to your point of him not necessarily making the best decisions, I think he just needs to have a little more urgency in general while he's managing these games down the stretch. Whether that's with bullpen management, taking the pitcher out early like he did yesterday with Jake Woodford, uh, whether that means playing your best guys down the stretch, that'd be a nice to deterrent from what we saw in this series. Or saying after a game when your, your starting pitcher, Adam Wainwright, just said, hey, this felt like a must win to him. Yeah, maybe go ahead and go along with that. Say, yes, this was significant for us, and we did feel the need to win it because of what this stretch run is going to be for us. All of those things. But that's not a must-win to Mike Schill. 
It needs to be. Wait, ju- just agree with your star pitcher, who just said that it was a must-win. It, it's, it's an after-the-fact, hindsight is twenty twenty statement. Absolutely, but you just won, Mike Schultz. Give your team the credit that it deserves. He's all about the positives. Just go ahead and, yeah, I agree with him. This was a really important win for us, and I'm glad we were able to get it against a damn good opponent. Boom! You're good. You said the thing that the audience wanted to hear, and you, it costs you nothing to do that. The problem is his answer actually went along with the way that he managed that series. Well, moving forward, Alex, we've said this for a month now, and I know Cardinals fans get sick of hearing it. These are basically all must wins because you've got a three game set coming up against Cincinnati. Then you play New York, who's in this race for three in New York. You've got the San Diego Padres at home for what's going to be an awesome series with the 2011 reunion. Uh, That's three games at home right now you've got Michaelis Hap and Wayno set to start in those three games that's a direct head-to-head opponent for the wild card standings as well and then you finish out with Milwaukee Chicago Milwaukee Chicago all of these are huge games from here on out there is no insignificant game left on the schedule and that's why if him sitting the starters was to prepare them for this stretch run okay whatever I disagree with it but it is what it is can't be doing that anymore yeah but that is the stretch run i know i'm with you you know i agree with you and i have ranted plenty on it but from here on out you can't have that you can't have sitting yadier molina two out of three games you can't be sitting nolan arenado paul goldschmidt and dylan carlson in one series it just can't happen now down the stretch and that's the lack of urgency that i've seen from schilt that it needs to change this stretch run you've got to show more urgency from start to finish and that's the way that he can at least get me back on board a little bit i'm not going to be all in on schilt the rest of the season regardless of what happens but if he starts treating this season in these individual games like they need to be okay then we can have some talks about what he is moving forward yeah i think that's the biggest thing for me you got to make sure you're putting the you're putting the team in the position in its best position, and the best position is not playing Paul DeYoung starting, nor Matt Carpenter. It's Alex Ferrario. He's Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, play game of Believe It or Not. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get your questions in for Believe It or Not. It's 1114. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next... That was an awesome NFL season opener last night, and we got to break it down. The Cowboys did everything that they could do to impress, but in the end, I've seen that damn movie so many times, and the ending never changes. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. A 48-yarder for the lead. Ball put down. The kick is up. It's long enough. End over end. It is good! Sirline has just put the Dallas Cowboys on top of the champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady in the gun. Got the snap. They rush four. Has the block. There's a line drive. Far side. Back penalty catch. Godwin on the far side of the 25. Chris Godwin with the catch of the night on a back pedal and a broken tackle. Suck up from 36. Ball put down in the grass. Right footed kick is up and it's caught. Two seconds to go. The Buccaneers have taken the lead. Tom Brady has added to his litany of success, his legacy, 
with another come-from-behind win. That's what it sounded like right here on 101 ESPN last night as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come from behind to win 31-29 in the season opener for the NFL. With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. You're listening to BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Who could have seen that one coming, Alex? The, the Buccaneers, Me. with a minute 30 to go, got the ball back down by one. And none other than Tom Brady is able to execute a game-winning drive. Who who could have possibly seen that coming? It's like Mike McCarthy just got into the NFL and thought, a minute 40? Oh, yeah, we can <laughs> stop Tom Brady. That's not enough time for him to... Wait, a minute 40 with two timeouts? Oh, he can't do anything with that. So let's go back to the situation. The Cowboys have fourth and six from the Tampa Bay 30-yard line. There's a minute 29 to play. They've got a decision to make. Do you kick a field goal there to go up by a point or do you decide do you decide to go for it and risk the possibility of losing the game in that moment? Alex, it was a decision of potentially win by making that fourth and six by converting there or give yourself a, a lead for a minute and a half and know that you're going to lose this game eventually. If you kick that field goal in that spot, in my opinion, at least, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty confident because I've watched a lot of Tom Brady you're giving yourself the right to lose that game by two. That's that's what you're doing. You're just making it close. You're saying, okay, well, we came and we had a, this is going to be a moral victory for us, that we came to Tampa Bay and had an opportunity to win down the stretch. Because we all knew in that exact moment, if you give Tom Brady a minute and a half to drive 50 yards for a field goal, he's going to do it, you're going to lose, and that's going to be the end of the game. So what would I have done in that spot? I would have gone for it. It's fourth and six. You've got Dak Prescott. He's been great all night long. He finished with 400 yards passing. You need six yards, and you've got three awesome receivers. And you've been shredding their defense in the passing game all night long. I would have gone for it there. Would any other coach in the NFL have done that? I don't know. Maybe John Harbaugh would have because he's pretty ballsy, but I don't know that there's any other coach in the league that would have, and that's something that the league has gotten consistently wrong against that particular opponent for 20 years now. You just can't do it against Tom Brady. Well, Mike McCarthy's defense, Dak Prescott wasn't any good last night. Oh, wait, no, that's an incorrect statement because Dak Prescott was actually almost as good, if not better, than Tom Brady last night. I thought he was better. He was impressive. How do you basically tell your quarterback, who was first came back after what he went through last season, everyone wondering if Dak was even going to be healthy this year because of the shoulder, hamstring, whatever it was, mystery injury that he was dealing with throughout training camp, and you basically take the ball away from him and say, no, nah, you know what? We don't trust the offense here. We're just going to kick the field goal. We're going to trust the guy who's missed two field goals already tonight to make this. And then we trust our defense who has given up 29 points already. We're going to trust them to go out and stop the greatest quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense to me. And I was really impressed by what Mike McCarthy and the offensive strategy put together last night against Tom Brady. Because between you and me, I didn't trust Tampa. I didn't trust Dallas to be even close in that game. I knew Ezekiel Elliott was not going to be any good. I thought Dak was going to be on the ground the entire time because they didn't have Zach Martin. And they went out there and they utilized the weapons that they had in C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper, a little bit of Tony Pollard, which I loved the way that they had the scheme set up for him. But that was the biggest mistake. And you can talk about offensive pass interference and the push off from Chris Chris Godwin all you want. You are at fourth and what was it? Six, BK? Mm -hmm. You have less than two minutes to go. And Tom Brady is sitting on the other side, basically expecting you to give him the ball back. You don't do it. You go out there and you go for it. And guess what? If you miss it, well, you know what? Everyone's talking about how you were aggressive, 
but they're not talking about how, oh, well, you lost that game. Because they know in the back of their mind, you kick that field goal, Tom Brady gets the ball, that's an automatic Tampa Bay win. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 573. If, the, if you make the move you're talking about and go for it on fourth and six and you fail, you probably end up getting fired. And no that's way. the problem. You can't coach scared. And you sure as hell can't coach scared against Tom Brady. Because if you do, what ends up happening is what we saw last night. And if you're somebody that wants to bring up the pass interference call, you're absolutely correct. It was the wrong call. It was pass interference on Chris Godwin. It was a second and 10 Dallas 42-yard line. The uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the ball and were driving. And they threw it over the top for 24 yards. And they ended up at the 18-yard line. Boom, you're set up for the field goal. That's basically where the game ended. I'm with you. Should have been called pass interference. It was the wrong no call, especially in that spot. Got to call it. But we know Tom Brady is going to get those calls. If there is a borderline call going either direction, Tom Brady always gets those calls. Always. You see it against your team. If you're a fan of an NFL team that has gone up against Tom Brady at any point over the last 15 years, especially, you've seen your team have a bad call down the stretch against his team it always happens especially when he was playing up in new england so you expect that kind of stuff in those games and there were a bunch of bad calls in that game last night and there were a bunch of bad decisions frankly by the cowboys that led to that moment as well dumb taunting call like what are we doing here when you give yourself the opportunity when you give the box the opportunity to go down the field and drive like that though that's on you That's on you. You opened yourself up to the possibility that Tom Brady was going to get a call that went his way. And in the end, the Bucs became the first team in NFL history to lose the turnover margin by at least three, to have at least 100 penalty yards, and to allow 450 yards of total offense for their opponent and win the game. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, because when you go up against Tom Brady, this is what happens. Now, that being said, let's talk a little big picture about both of those teams. That's what I was going to get into with you. That Cowboys team showed me a lot last night. They're they're better than I expected them to be. That offense is going to be really good this year, and we all kind of thought that would be the case. Their defense is not good, but their defense can make plays in a way that they haven't been able to in the past, and in their division, I think that's going to be enough. I think as of today, like if you were going over to the FanDuel Sportsbook today and putting down a futures bet on the Cowboys to win the NFC East – they should probably be the overwhelming favorite. And we'll see what Washington looks like this weekend. They're the only other team that I think has a fighting chance. But the Cowboys today, for me, even though they started the year 0-1, they showed me enough yesterday to view them as the favorite in that division. Yeah, I, I was trying not to think that I was crazy when I was thinking this last night. But when that game was in the final minutes, when they had the opportunity to go for it on that fourth down, I'm sitting here going... Are these two teams comparable with each other? Because like before the season started, if you would have said Dallas will be just as good as Tampa this year, I would have said you're crazy because I don't trust Dak. I don't trust Zeke. Injuries always hurt this team and their defense is terrible. But watching that last night, Micah Parsons has made a huge difference for that defense because they actually have guys who can rush now compared to what they've had in the past. It's just a matter of they can keep guys healthy. I know Vander Esch has always been hurt. Oh yeah, They can keep him healthy and you keep Randy Gregory healthy. You're talking about a team that can compete there. I was watching that, and I'm sitting here going, okay, Tampa's big selling point are all of the weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. But Dallas has got a lot of weapons as well. And C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup looked good last night. So did Amari Cooper, which I put him in my fantasy lineup, by the way. Last minute, thank you. And Dak, Dak was better than Tom Brady last night. So other than defense, and defense is going to be the big question mark on that team. 
I really do think Dallas is going to be that a team that can compete for a Super Bowl this year. The big question for them was, which version of Dak are you getting? Exactly. Are you getting 50% of what he was to start last year? Or are you getting the full Dak Prescott experience that we saw at the beginning of last year? And you got to get better from Zeke, too. Well, that's not a good matchup for him, man. I know, but... No, nobody's going to... That, that Tampa Bay defense, you should... Like the, if the Bills played Tampa Bay this year, they would not run the ball once with their running backs. Zero rushing attempts for their running but backs making, because that defense is unbelievable. But he's making $90 million, BK. Like You have to become a little bit multidimensional to where you can play the pass game a little bit more. Da- Dak Prescott was able to stand in the pocket on no fewer than 10 attempts last night because of Ezekiel Elliott. His pass blocking last night was a difference maker for the Cowboys. And if he wasn't able to stuff a few of their linebackers coming on blitzes, Devin White was is a monster. And there were at least four or five times where Zeke put his body on the line, stu- stood up into the A-gap, and took it from Devin White and stopped a potentially untouched blitzer from hitting Dak Prescott. So I... I think he earned his money last night, even though if you look at the box score, you're, you're certainly not going to view it that way. I loved the way, as you mentioned, they used Tony Pollard last yeah. night. I, super impressive performance by the Cowboys. On the Buck side of things, <laughs> are you kidding me with Antonio Brown? Are you kidding me with Rob Gronkowski? If they're going to get this version of those two guys, we know Mike Evans going to have some big games this year. Chris Godwin looked great last night. He looked healthy. This is the Chris Godwin that we saw at the beginning of last year, and we all knew he would be a great fit with Brady given the way that he wins. But if you're going to add this version of Gronk who looks healthy. (laughs) Looks like mid-2000s Gronk. And this version, the Steelers version of Antonio Brown, who was one of the best receivers I've ever seen. Full stop. His prime is one of the most productive primes of any receiver in the history of the game. If you're going to get those two versions of those two guys, oh boy, this Bucks team's going to be even better than expected this season. So it, I was impressed by both teams last night. An awesome football game that had a million different storylines from every possible perspective. It, it lived up to all of the hype. Yeah, there were some bad calls going either direction. There were some decisions that you could certainly question as we have but both of those teams I've came out feeling better about them than I felt about either of them going in and that's saying a lot because I felt pretty good about Tom Brady and the Bucks going into that game yeah uh, I Tampa is going to be a problem for a lot of teams this season and defensively I thought that they were exposed a little bit in terms of the secondary because I, I mean they got beat pretty like that defense looked a lot different than the defense that shut down Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl last year. But I do think that with Gronk and Antonio Brown playing at that level, because both were non-existent last season other than a couple of games. I mean, you're talking about a team that is going to make things really difficult for everyone else in the NFC. Yeah, the Bucks are going to look a hell of a lot better when they're not turning the ball over four times and committing 11 penalties for 106 yards. Yeah. Too. Can I complain <laughs> about something real quick, too? Please. Why? Why is a hail mary at the end of a half considered an interception? Like I, I heard Chris Collinsworth say that, and I really agree with it. That's dumb. That he's got two interceptions. He did a hail mary at the end of the the half. Well, it's it's kind of like the basketball player who shoots the half court shot right before the half, right? It goes into your stat sheet. So that's why a lot of guys will dribble it out like a second after the buzzer and, and then, then put it up it. because they don't want it to mess with their stats. I think LeBron does that quite a bit, where he's like, I, "It's not worth it. We're up by twenty five. I'm not shooting this half court shot right before the half." LeBron, the stats don't matter, buddy. And Tom, Tom Brady, a lot of the time was the same. They're not going to throw up the hail mary, but last night he did. I get it. 
Uh, but if you're not going to count that, then are you going to count the run back if it goes back for six? Like, I, I think you just got to count all of these things, unfortunately. Well, but You and I disagree, sir. If you do look at the stat sheet, though, this morning and you see Tom Brady... 379 through the air. That's great. Four touchdowns. Nice. Two interceptions. You're like, what the hell? What happened there? Yeah. But it's a little misleading. One of them was on a dropped pass, and the other was on a Hail Mary that amounted to basically nothing because it was the last play of the half. He was great last night. He, he, he looked as good as I've seen Tom Brady in years. Agreed. Just saying a hell of a lot. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. In 15 minutes, we'll get to some questions and answers. But coming up next, it's time for, for a game of Believe It or Not here on 101 ESPN. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for Believe It or Not. If you've got any scenarios you want to throw in, we will take them now on the Air Comfort Service text line with Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's start out with this one, Alex. Cardinals are getting ready to start out a three-game series against the Cincinnati Reds. Believe it or not, Nick Castellanos will opt out of his contract and will sign with the Air Arizona, the St. Louis Cardinals this offseason. It would be much bigger news if he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> That's very true. Although I don't, I don't think he, I think he could probably play with them. You never know. Uh, I'm going to, man, if we could split those two, which of course your daily hit of sitting on the fence with BK and Ferrario, but like if you could split those two, because I do really think he will opt out of his contract sure. with the Reds because he's going to get more money after the season he's put together, especially if he gets any MVP votes. I just don't see him signing with the Cardinals. I, I really don't. Um, mostly because of the events that conspired at the beginning of the season. Oh, you think that'll play into oh, it? Oh, I think that'll play into it. Oh, I think Cardinals fans would love Nick Castellanos if he was doing Cardinals that for them. Cardinals fans would love Nick Castellanos, but would Yadier Molina love Nick Castellanos? I actually think he would. I don't think he would. I, I think Arenado and Yadi would adore playing with Nick Castellanos. I don't think so. He has the exact type of intensity that they have. Well, so did Johnny Cueto, but you didn't see the Cardinals no, going to get that, that guy. No, that was different. Cueto was a jerk. Yeah, what? Just because he kicked a cleat at Jason LaRue's head? Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's intensity. Maybe that's wanting to and win. He ended a career. Like, the, standing over and flexing on Jason. <laughs> Woodford's a little different than ending a career. I also don't think he signs in St. Louis because I, I think your outfielders are set. And, and I know people. What about the DH? That's Nolan Gorman or Albert Pujols' spot, man. Okay. Get your head. You know better than that. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna believe. I'm not gonna believe this. Um, I don't think he. I don't. I don't think he's a Cardinal next year. And you got to think like talking about Yachty, it's he's the type of player, you know, you hate unless he's on your team. Cassiano said is because you look at the effort he gives day in and day out. Old school player. I think that he would like to have him on as well. Also, he cheats, guys. Not sure if you saw that bat that he <laughs> had that one game. He is a cheater. That I'm was amazing. Glad all you guys like cheaters I, I, on your team. It was really cool to watch that because it's like, who, who would want to hit with this bat? It has. It doesn't just have a piece out of it. It was a chunk of the bat was missing. I really was. I I thoroughly enjoyed him turning and like chucking that bat to a fan as quick as possible so that they couldn't look at it. I appreciated that as well. It was it great. Was, it was good form That's by, how by you Nick cheat. Castellanos. That's how you cheat, BK. I'm gonna go ahead and believe this. Oh jeez. I'm starting. I this has been about a month long journey for me, Alex. You've been along the ride with me. Yeah, it's been a rough journey. I've been really impressed this season by what we've seen from Nick Castellanos, and it's just a continuation of what he's been really for the last four years. Since the start of the 2018 season, he is averaging per year 
38 doubles, 25 homers, and about a 295 batting average. Well, that's the kind of guy this team could use. You could add a little bit more of that to your lineup and you'd feel pretty darn good about it. I think if you rotated him between DH and right field, depending on who gets a day off, as we know, this manager likes to give his guys some days off here and there. I think he makes a ton of sense for him. So if you could add him to this lineup, bat him second or third, I think he still probably need a, a, a leadoff hitter. But Can he play shortstop? No. Okay. Could you go into it next year, though, with Edmundo Sosa starting at short, Tommy Edmond and Nolan Gorman at second, but you and think, Nick Castellanos at DH and feel good about it? But you think he is going to be any cheaper than what you'd have to pay for a Corey Seager? I think he's going to take the same no, same amount of money per year. I think it's going to cost like five fewer years. I think you could get Nick Castellanos at like five and 125. I think it's going to cost eight years at $25 million per year, nine years at $25 million per year for one of those elite level shortstops. Mm, yeah. Feel more comfortable with the shortstop. I do too. I don't know that the Cardinals will. I think no, they typically the Cardinals are going to say that Paul DeYoung is going to have years. a bounce back here next year. It's fair. You know what's going to happen. Mike Schultz going to say he's a warrior and we need him next year. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for believe it or not. Believe it or not, Tom Brady will win his fourth MVP this season. Marty, you take this one. I don't want to be the first guy to. Well, I'm just thinking of other MVP candidates real quick. Um, the good players. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's all it's all the really good Man, quarterbacks. Some hard-hitting information Patrick there. Patrick Mahomes, hey, I'm gonna go Josh with Mahomes. Allen, maybe Dak Doc- Prescott inserts himself into the mix. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, it's all those guys. Actually, I like Allen and the weapons he has. And, and coming off last year's you know big season, breakout season for him. I, and I love that Bills team. I think Allen's going to win it. You know what? I, I think I'm going to say Dak. After watching him against that team last night, and I, I want to look at their schedule real quick. I mean, they don't have the most overwhelming schedule. I mean, their t- their next toughest game, in my opinion, is probably going to be the Chiefs. I, I think I'm going to go Dak here. I, I really think Dak is going to continue this performance with the weapons. As long as everyone stays healthy, if his offensive line can stay up, and if you keep all three of those wide receivers... I think Dak could be looking at a guy who's going to get his first MVP. He's a good bet to put down right now. That's for darn sure, especially after seeing him look pretty healthy last night. I might Venmo T-Bone some money out in Vegas to put that down. There you go. Or you could just put it on the FanDuel Sportsbook app by crossing over the river today. You could always do that as well. Yeah, I'll do that. Going over to Argosy for you. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Believe It or Not. I'm going to believe this. I feel like Tom Brady is going to carry over the momentum from last year. People are going to see him put up crazy numbers this year because everybody's going to. It looks like it's going to be another offensive season. I I think this might be the year that he gets his fourth. I think it's been since 2017. I believe that was the last year that he won the MVP. I think Brady has a pretty good case for it this year. And if if what we saw last night from Antonio Brown is real... Well, he's certainly got the weapons to be able to do it. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for believe it or not. Believe it or not, the Cardinals will win seven of their next nine and finish that nine-game stretch in the wild card spot. You can't trick me, Cardinals. I'm not going to believe this one. Seven of their next nine? Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, they got three against the Reds, but then they got 
games against Milwaukee, correct? Not in the next nine. So they've got three against Cincinnati, three against New York, and then three against San Diego. So it's the wild card teams that you're up against right now. Yeah, yeah. leave that. I'm, I'm forgetting that. There's no way you pull seven of nine. That means you have to sweep one of those series. And does anybody think that this Cardinals team can sweep either the Reds, Mets, or the Padres? No. That's what I thought. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not believe this. The only time they've gone on a stretch like this was like April, May. They really haven't done it against quality opponents. They they played well against the Pirates and the Royals, but if you're talking about quality opponents where they won seven of nine or something similar to that, I mean, you've got to go all the way back to mid-April. And who were the teams that they won those against? Cincinnati, Philly. And then into Pittsburgh, and they ended up winning two in a row against New York. That that was the last time that they played this level of baseball against quality opponents. And they won't have to go against DeGrom, and I do like their chances in that Mets series, but seven of nine, I mean, especially when the Padres are involved, I could I, see five or six. I like this one. Believe it or not, the Cardinals lose <laughs> seven of their next nine. No, no. I might believe this one. We don't need, that. We don't need that in our one. lives. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Questions and answers coming up next. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers uh, from the three one four. Hey Alex, would you ever do a kids show like BT has with Fred Bird? And if not, why not? Oh my God, yes! Are you kidding me? That for the be, Blues, that'd be fantastic. I would love to do me and Louie. Oh yeah, I would do a Blues kids show in a heartbeat. Hey texter, send the Blues some type of message saying that you'd love to have Alex Ferrario do a Blues kids show for their website and television. All right, so he's go. in. We, we've got Alex all in on it. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 573. Do you believe that Trevor Story would take a discount to play in St. Louis with Nolan Arenado? No. Come on now. Trevor Story ain't taking no discount. Can, can we, like... Let's just, I feel like we should have, you know, on Twitter, you have the pinned tweets. I feel like if you're listening to this radio show, every five minutes, there should be something that says, no, Nolan Arenado is not opting out after the season. And then right after that, no, the Cardinals are not going to be able to trade five of their scrubs for a player that you really want. Prospects. And then the third thing, yeah, just prospects. And then the third thing should be, no, you can't sign Nolan Arenado and Nick Castellanos and Max Scherzer for $20 million total for the next five years. That's not going to happen. I feel like every region joiner for our show should be like welcome back it's bk and ferrario here on 101 espn and no nolan arenado is not <laughs> opting out of his contract if is that the number one question we get all the every single day I feel like it somebody is. is texting and saying oh well, what if nolan opts out of his contract come on now but to answer your text or your question texter because we love the the questions sent to the air comfort service text on at 65780 trevor story's not taking a discount because someone the Yankees are going to pay him big bucks to yeah, come play. He's not going to take a discount. Most of the guys don't. And the the ones that do are are rare and few and far between. From the 217, hey, who do you think could be the next Cardinal to win an MVP? If you were to place a wager, a futures wager for next year or 10 years from now, who do you think the next Cardinal will be to win an MVP? I feel like Tyler O'Neill would be that guy for me. And we talked about him yesterday in 875 OPS this season. I mean, you're 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 trending in the direction of a guy who is viewed as a 
30, 40 home run hitter, 100 RBI guy, but also a guy with a high on base percentage. And I mean, if Tyler O'Neill can put all of that together, which is what he has done this season, other than his injuries, I think, in my opinion, Tyler O'Neill would be the next MVP on this Cardinals team. It's hard to argue against that. You mentioned the numbers that he potentially could put up, you know, 30 home runs. Um, trying to, th- Yeah, I'm going to go with O'Neal on that one as well. I think if the Cardinals have an MVP, for me, if I was placing a wager, if there's an MVP within the next three years, I think it would be Nolan Arenado. You know, I wanted to say that too, but I, I feel like Tyler O'Neill would get it though. Maybe. I mean, it, it's a good answer. But why Arenado? I'd go Arenado because A, he's got the pedigree. We've seen him be in the top five many times before. He could, it would not be a surprise to see next year Nolan Arenado hit 295 with 35 home runs and 120 RBI. That's within the range of outcomes for Nolan Arenado. So he would be my number one option for the next three years, although Tyler O'Neill is absolutely somebody that I considered for this. If it doesn't happen in the next three, the guy that I would place the futures wager on, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to put the Albert Pujols label on him the way that the Cardinals have talked about, but Jordan Walker would be the guy that I would place the wager one. on. He looks awesome in the minors right now, and I have no idea if it's going to work in the majors or if it's certainly going to get to that degree. But if you're looking down at the Cardinals minor leaguers right now, he would be the one that I would place the wager on because he he looks the part of a future star. And that's that's the way you've got to kind of project those sorts of things. Nolan would be an MVP if they'd move the fence. Take that, BK. It would help him. Take that. I mean, it would help his numbers, that's for sure. How many more home runs do you think he would have? I don't know. I, I, I'd be curious to look up. I know there's... He's hit a lot of them to the left side that have either just gone foul or have just been like, you know, he's been frustrated with the fact that he thought they were gone. And then, of course, chucks the bat down the first baseline. Yeah. He's like, oh, come on. So their baseball savant is a website that tracks what your homers are in your home ballpark and what they would be elsewhere. And it doesn't take into account some ballpark factors. So it's not perfect. I want to say that up front, but for Nolan Arenado, he's hit so far this year, 29 home runs for the Cardinals. According to this website, he would have 38 if he played in Chicago for the Cubs. Uh, He would have 39 if he played for the Boston Red Sox. He'd have 36 if he played in Baltimore. So around that Those are 35 numbers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that's right he, around what Bryce Harper's putting up right now. It's right around Tatis Jr.'s numbers. Yeah, 34 if he played in Milwaukee. Yeah, he he would be on pace to finish with right around 40 home runs this year if he were playing in some of those other ballparks. So if they moved in the fences, maybe maybe he would be in consideration for MVP hell this year. Yeah. You know, 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers uh, to get involved in the show from the 314. Hey, guys, are you concerned about the Cardinals missing out on all the shortstops this offseason and then waiting too long to really upgrade their offense? I'm not as concerned on that as I was about a month ago, mostly because I'm starting to see some signs of excitement from Edmundo Sosa. If their fallback is, hey, well, we missed out on, we missed out on all of these shortstops, got outbid, or they decided they wanted to go elsewhere, we're able to sign Nick Castellanos and Edmundo Sosa's their starting shortstop, that's a win in my opinion. So if you miss out on all those guys, but here's the key, you have to allocate that money elsewhere to improve the team you can't just say well we missed out here's the team we have it's the same as last year you got to spend the money that you were going to put on the shortstops on a starting pitcher on a 
outfield bat, on a DH bat, on some bullpen help. I think one thing that helps the Cardinals in this respect is that it is a CBA offseason. So everybody's going to take a while to be able to get to that point of signing. I think you're going to see some players waiting until that gets done ultimately. And I hope we don't have to wait long, but we know how this goes with baseball. So that helps them. And then the negotiations start later and they'll be able to make it up a little bit of time. If it wasn't a CBA offseason, I'd be a little worried because if some of those top top end shortstops don't sign early on and you've got guys like Nick Castellanos and if J.D. Martinez opts out, those big bats coming off quick. Well, now you could be waiting, waiting, waiting. You get into January and you're kind of into the last two or three guys and they end up signing for more than what the Cardinals are, are willing to pay them. And now you look around. It's like, oh, boy. Who do we go with? How do we upgrade our lineup? That's how they could potentially get hit with something like that. But I think the CBA happening this offseason actually helps them. It's at a good time for them to be able to wait it out and find out, okay, what's what's the temperature on the market? What are we looking at here and who could potentially fit us? So I think that helps. I think that's more the reason why the Cardinals need to get ahead of the pact with the CBA and say, you know what, we want one of these guys. We need to go get them now, regardless of what the CBA turns out to be. We need to go get one. He's Alex Ferrario. That is Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, Alex has a Ferrario 5 for you. Five bold predictions for the NFL season we'll get into that in about 15 minutes or so but coming up next the cardinals are finally setting alex reyes up for his chance to start and it sounds like he's all in on the opportunity we'll talk about it next on 101 espn see alex doesn't lack confidence necessarily but execution and then reward does foster even more confidence you know it's a reassurance of it to some degree but him being able to go grab those two winnings was was big for him and, and huge for us it's been rare for the cardinals to give alex reyes multiple innings of work of late and with alex ferrario and Ta- not tanner hendrickson today marty jenkins i'm brandon Kylie. it's bk and ferrario on 101 es we may never see tanner again He's in Vegas. God only knows what he's going to get himself into. <laughs> he ain't coming back. R.I.P. Big guy. <laughs> With, <laughs> the gonna, gonna With the Angels now. With the Angels. Alex Reyes was able to get two innings of work. Two big innings, honestly, for the Cardinals yesterday. And he was awesome. Struck out two, allowed just one base runner, walked zero, which is a significant sign for him. And Alex, this is something that I want to see more of from Alex Reyes down the stretch. And it sounds like it's the plan. The Cardinals have stated publicly that they would like to get 80 innings out of Alex Reyes this year. So far, not on track for that. But if they decide to go with the multiple innings down the stretch, he could get there. This was just the second time dating all the way back to July 2nd that he has gone multiple innings for the Cardinals. I thought after they had gone with him two out of three appearances in late June, early July, that we could see that maybe more consistently. Maybe he gets six, seven outs for you. They didn't go that route, but down the stretch, if he can be utilized this way in the middle innings as a guy that comes in, maybe it's for the Jake Woodford starts exclusively. He gives you two or three innings at a time and you give him two or three, four days rest. I think that makes a lot of sense for this team down the stretch. And if he succeeds in that role and you keep extending him out into winter ball where he starts uh, actually starting games for somebody, that's the way that he can transition into becoming a starter going into 2022. You know how many games this season that he has thrown multiple innings? I think it's like four or five. Six times. And you know how many runs he's given up and all of those combined? He's given up one run. Now, he's had some walks towards the beginning of this season. Can I give you a little tinfoil here, BK? Tell me if I'm crazy here. Maybe the 
I don't want to say frustration or the, I mean, T-Bone has talked about how when he's seen him at the games, he just looks like he's not in the moment. Maybe he just is done with being a closer or a relief pitcher and he wants to be a starter. Like he has, he, he has spoken about wanting to be in the rotation. That's his goal. This season, they talked to him about being a closer. You know, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. That's why this is a tin foil. This is just my thoughts. Did the Cardinals tell him like, hey, you're going to be the closer for us half the season. And then as we move forward, we'll, we'll put another guy in that role and you'll become a guy who gets more innings. And then when he hits that all-star and he hits the record, they're telling him, look, we need you to be the closer. I mean, does Alex Reyes just buy out and be like, no, man, I want to be a starter. And when they give him the opportunity to go multiple innings, that's where he's that's where you get that new breath of life. Right. Because if things get stale, you just don't care as much anymore. But when something's new or when the the, when the carrot is dangled in front of you to attain something, then it's like, you know what? I want this now. And you go out there and you perform. I mean, I might be crazy here, but it's just something different. It's, I mean, it's it's definitely worth consideration. And I, I think some of it is probably that. It's not new for him anymore. The adrenaline's not the same. This is dog, dog Days of Summer was when he had most of his issues. It was late July and then into August. And that's when everybody, it becomes a little bit harder to go into work every day, right? It's mm-hmm. It's the repetitive nature of being a professional athlete, specifically in baseball. We're going to the ballpark every single day. I think there was some fatigue. I don't think he was exhausted. I don't think it was a situation where he was hurt. But I think going back to back and having two out of three and three out of four at times where he was going out there and you just you saw so much of Alex Reyes in the middle of the season when they had really no other options outside of the big three to go to. I do think there was a little bit of fatigue that set in. I think there was some frustration. I think the command issues started to mount. He got into his own head a little bit. He got moved out of the closer role. He was frustrated there. And it just started to mount all of those different things. So I think it can be a combination of a dozen different things that added up. And this is how you get to where he was. I do think it looked to me yesterday like he was more locked in. And I don't know if that's because he was going multiple uh, multiple innings. I don't know if it's because he just felt more rested. I don't know. I don't have the answers to those questions. And I, I would imagine there are very few who do. But I like the idea of him as a multi-inning reliever the rest of the year. And I like the idea of getting him more rest between his outings as well. Don't give him every two or three days. Like two out of three. Don't do that anymore. Give him a couple of days of rest between these outings. Go two innings like he did yesterday where he gives you whatever it was, 25, 30 pitches, and you can bump it up as we go a little bit. Maybe by the end of the season, he's up to 40, and he's able to, in a super efficient outing, give you three innings. That's the kind of thing that I would like to see him work up to, and if he's able to get there, it should give the Cardinals more confidence that, hey, going into next year, maybe those walk issues that we talked about, Maybe over multiple innings, it's not as big of an issue. He's not going at full capacity on every single pitch. He's taking it back a little bit. Now it's 80%, and he's able to command his stuff a little bit better. And the slider seems to be better. Suddenly, the secondary stuff is able to play a little bit more because he's utilizing it more often instead of a nine-pitch ninth inning. Now he's going 25, 30 pitches, 40 pitches at a time, and you're able to use some of that secondary stuff. The command is what really got me with those two innings of work. And you talked about how he didn't have any – or he had one walk or didn't have any walks in his outing yesterday. Uh, He just – he seemed to be locked in more in that outing and I know we've talked a lot about how, you know, it's it's kind of waning on if you want him to be a starter in your rotation because of his command issues. But if he gives you that performance where maybe he's a little bit more 
of a dictator with what he's trying to use on the mound rather than just throwing your hardest stuff or your best stuff every time because you're closing and you really don't know where that's going to go. Maybe if he's a little bit more pristine with that, I mean, you might be looking at somebody who could be in your rotation. Yeah, and it's less to me about him trying to go out there and use his best stuff or be at 100% because he's closing. It's more about the length, right? When you're starting or if you're going in this multi-inning, three-inning type of a relief outing, you're going to throw like 35, 40 pitches. And so by virtue of that, you have to switch things up more often. You have to utilize instead of two pitches in your arsenal, you're going to three or four. And you're switching up the way that you're pitching to somebody. Maybe you're going to see the same guy in a lineup multiple times. Well, now you got to remember, okay, I I pitched him first pitch fastball down and away the last time. I'm going to go with my curve in the first pitch in this one. Like You've got a million different things that are going through your mind as a starter or as a multi-inning guy as opposed to when you're closing. Hey, man, it's... Let's get this bad boy done. Let, let's go out here, pump 100 miles an hour, hopefully down and away. Let's let's get this wipeout slider going towards him, and let's get out of this inning clean with strikeout stuff. So it, it's just a little different in terms of the pitch selection that you're going with because you don't need as many. The other thing that came out yesterday that I thought was interesting, Alex, is we're talking about the rotation for next year. At one point this season, it's been a couple of months now, but we gave consideration to KK being in the rotation again next year and do you bring him back on a long maybe not a long-term contract but at least a one-year deal i think that bridge has officially been burned there was a report yesterday from daniel kim who covers the kbo over in korea and he said on twitter kk is clearly upset about being removed from the rotation in an interview with him he said that he was told about the decision around three o'clock the day that he ended up coming out of the bullpen He was given the uh, short notice, and as a result, he didn't have an opportunity to ask any questions about his new role, and he was not happy about it. He would like to find a new opportunity to start again next year. I think we can go ahead and say, hey, the KK thing, I, I still believe it was a success. He was good for the Cardinals when they needed him. But I do not believe he's going to be an option for the Cardinals going into next yeah, year. Yeah, and I think the Cardinals were probably at that point where they were going to move on from it as well. And I know he had signs of where he was improving and getting back to that rotation form this season. But overall, it's been inconsistent. I said it a few months ago that he's a glorified bullpen pitcher for this Cardinals team. Um, I'm a little surprised at the approach if the reporting is true, which it's hard for me to go against it. was an interview it. with him, so it has yeah. to, it's got to be. I'm a little surprised by that because I do know that the Cardinals are are – great at communicating with their players. I mean, the players have talked about it all the time, about how wonderful Mike Schilt and the coaching staff are in terms of talking to them early on in the games when they get to the ballpark. Um, I've seen it before, too, where you know the, the, the hitting coach and the pitching coaches are coming over to the players as soon as they walk into the building. So I'm a little surprised by this, but again, it's hard to go against this reporting because it was done in an interview. Yeah, if true, uh, this is a bad look for Mike Schilt. Yeah. It is. Well, and the coaching staff. I mean, Mike Maddox, too, not talking to yeah, him. Yeah, it's a bad look. And it doesn't mean that they should be fired or anything like that. But you got to tell your players when you're moving in a different direction. And there's a reason why Mike Schilt doesn't announce his starters in certain postgame situations where he's asked by the media. And it's because he wants to talk to his players first. Well, the communications and a super important part of his role. And we've talked in the past about how that's the stuff that he's supposed to be good at. Like Mike Schilt according to everything that we've heard, is good at communicating with those players. 
This was a situation where it appears, based on the reporting, that he did not do a good job of that. Um, so I, I think it's worth monitoring for for Mike Schilt in that capacity. And also, I think we can go ahead and take note of this mental note as we're going into the offseason and say, OK, KK probably going elsewhere. That means the Cardinals might have that spot open in their rotation. It's a little frustrating, year. too, because that does uh, help determine free agent signing with a team uh, of the communication side of it. I know at least on the hockey side of things like players will go to a team because of how good the coaching staff is in terms of communicating with their players and being upfront with everything. And if that's how this is, and I know it's one player, we haven't heard of this before, but you don't want that to get out there when you're trying to sign free agents like, nah, I don't want to go there. Speaking of hockey coming up in 15 minutes, what are the blues missing to become a cup contender this year? Craig button says they're not there right now, but there's one thing they need to do to get there. We'll do that coming up in 15 minutes coming up next time for your latest ferrario five five bold nfl predictions from alex ferrario coming up on 101 espn we're going right into it let's get into a ferrario five it was going to be at one point five nfl superlatives then we switched it up to five bold predictions yeah then I, it's back to the NFL superlatives Here's now. a little insight into what goes into the Ferrario 5. I put them together because I was going to do superlatives, and I told BK, I said, hey, man, I don't really know what a superlative is, so I'm just going to go bold predictions here. Then I found out what a superlative was. I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll turn the bold predictions yeah, back like into superlatives. Most likely to succeed in, yeah. in high school. Well, yeah. You know, it's funny. I watched the Jimmy Fallon show last night, and it had the NFL superlatives. I'm like, oh, now I know what superlatives are. So they're back to five superlatives. I would imagine yours are a little different than yeah, the ones that Fallon this. did last night. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Because I can't watch Fallon. Do you enjoy no, Fallon? No, I'm not a fan of any of the light, late oh, night really? shows. Yeah, like none of them. The I, one that bothers me the most is James Corden. Cannot oh, watch him. Dude, I used to, I thought his show was all right. I, we'll, we'll get into the Ferrari 05, I promise. I used to think his show was all right. I just find it annoying now. Oh, I, he bothers the heck out of me, dude. Bothers me so much. Like the one that I, I can like at least... the karaoke that the celebrity See, karaoke I hated stuff. that too, because then it oh, turned really? into James Corden. Because oh, I'm going to show you I can sing. He is a good singer, well, that's but fine. But that you didn't do a singing show. Don't do late night talk show. Did you like Letterman or Leno when they were on? Loved Letterman. Letterman's Letterman was my guy. Yeah. Leno was the one that I would. Letterman's watch. still good. The the interviews mm-hmm. that he's doing on Netflix are great. But I I can watch Colbert. He's really I can watch Colbert. I can watch uh, Kimmel. I, I can watch Kimmel. I can't do Fallon. Jimmy Fallon reminds me of the guy who giggles too much in Saturday Night Live still. Oh, dude, his interviews make me cringe. Terrible, <laughs> dude. But, like, I'm still, like, the Johnny Carson guy. Like, I enjoy Johnny Carson the most. How old are you? Dude, I have, I have, my dad has, like, the roasts of Johnny, of, um, of Dean Martin, Dean Martin roasts, and, like, they had all the old school ones. And I have, like, some old tapes of Johnny Carson's late night shows with Don Rickles. That's amazing. It's fantastic. But, yeah, I'm old school with that. So, did you steal the Ferrari 05 from the top 10 from Letterman? Is that where that came from never thought of it that way but yeah i think i did makes sense i think i did <laughs> makes sense usually just went before alliteration because ferrari 05 it worked well and i thought we could sell it but yeah letterman there you go you're welcome david okay five superlatives for the nfl season bk you're gonna enjoy some of these number one most likely to be a bust this season and i think there's a lot of them out there for individuals minus tua and i jumped on the tua train But now that I'm thinking more about it, I really don't trust him in Miami. I I just, for some reason, he doesn't give me the vibes of, oh, he's the the starting quarterback that can turn things around for Miami. Because you look around the league, kind of what the quarterbacks are these days. Like I'm watching Dak Prescott play last night. 
I just think you have to be built differently as a quarterback. And I know there's smaller guys who can have success, but Kyler Murray has been okay in his first couple of years. I just don't know if two is going to be able to get it done in Miami. I really think he's going to be a bust. I think after this season, Miami's going to be saying, we're a quarterback away from being a serious contender. The stuff about Deshaun Watson makes me a little concerned about Tua. And I like Tua. I think he's got a chance to succeed there. But when you get into a mental state where you're not confident that your team believes in you, I do think that can break you mentally as a player, especially a player that's coming back from something as significant as Tua with his hip injury at Alabama. And all we've heard all offseason, and it never seems to go away really, is that the Dolphins are one of the two leading contenders along with the Carolina Panthers for if and when Deshaun is traded mm-hmm. being the place where he ends up going. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know if that's a Deshaun Watson side leak or a Miami Dolphins side leak, but that's concerning to me. If it is coming from the Dolphins that they're still interested in Watson, listen, I football side of things exclusively. Watson was one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion. He kept Houston so alive last year. I get wanting to have that kind of a talent as your quarterback, but if you believed in Tua fully, I don't think they would be talking about that right now, especially with the off-field stuff that has to be taken under consideration. Yeah, well, and someone just sent the text in, too, and said, what about Zeke being a bust? And we talked about this a little bit ago, and I didn't think of it in that direction, but you are right. Zeke had a great protection game for Dak Prescott for how good that defense is. So that's number one. Number two, most likely to get his coach fired this season. Kirk Cousins. That feels right. Because I think Mike Zimmer has been on the hot seat, but Minnesota has too much money committed to Kirk Cousins. And we do have a a rogue texter who always seems to text in when we talk about Kirk Cousins. Says Kirk Cousins is going to have a great season for the Vikings. Statistically, he probably will. He always does. He always <laughs> does. But you know what he also d- always does? Never gets past the first round in the playoffs with his team. I, I think this is going to be a year that Kirk Cousins struggles. I think this is going to be a year that the Minnesota Vikings struggle. And I think because of the fact that you were paying Kirk Cousins so much money, Mike Zimmer is going to be the first one to go. Uh, Andy Dalton? Oh, yeah, that, that could do it. Yeah, but if Andy Dalton struggles, you go to Justin Fields. I don't think they get your coach fired. They should. What about Kyler Murray? That's a good one as well. Did they I don't just think- hire him, though? Yeah, but he stinks. His name's Cliff with a K. Of course he stinks. I loved the hire when they made it. I was just, I think I'm going to be wrong on it. Cliff Kingsbury was an interesting outside-the-box hire who, if you were just exclusively trying to do one thing in the NFL, you'd want to maximize your quarterback, and I thought he'd be able to do that. Boy, has he not done that so far. It's a big year for him. Trying to think if there's another guy that I can think of that would fit into this category. I I think Cousins is the perfect one for me. That yeah. that's the one that makes the most sense. I, I think Andy Dalton's an interesting one. I just feel like you go to Fields before you fire the coach. Yeah. Although the I, coach did make the decision to start Andy Dalton, so I don't think there's another obvious choice here. I don't think so either. Because like Indy, I could see Carson Wentz getting a coach fired, but he already did that in Philadelphia. <laughs> and you're not firing Frank Reich. He's a good coach. So yeah. he's not gonna be the guy to do that. I don't think anybody's getting fired in Las Vegas this year. Um I don't think Joe Judge is gonna be get let go just I yet. Pete I think Carroll, he gets another Pete season. Carroll's not going anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. So I, I don't think there's any other options, but I think Kirk Cousins would be number yeah, one on my I mean, list. I guess you can go to Jared Goff, but they just hired Yeah, I don't kneecaps. think he's getting fired yet. Yeah. Kneecaps. Kneecaps, that's his name. Number three on this one, boys. Most likely to lose their starting job before week three. It's Andy Dalton. 
I'm still on the side of this is just protecting Justin Fields from getting broken in week one against the Rams. I think he'll start week two. I think Dalton will just be embarrassing in week one, and they'll be like, okay, we got to go to Justin Fields here. But I'd say because of the superlative, before week three, Andy Dalton's going to be gone. Who Was it Mike Glennon that lost his job at halftime? Last a few year? years ago. No, this was like four years ago, maybe. Yeah. He he started week one. I can't remember who f- it was. Foles loses job in like week one, too. I don't I don't I don't think so. No? Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was one of them getting switched out for the other. Maybe. I think maybe. it was. It might be. Um, yeah, because it was with Jacksonville. Isn't, isn't that what you're thinking of? I can't remember which one it was, unfortunately. I know one that I'm thinking of. Tom Savage started a season for the Texans. I think it was in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it was after week one he was replaced. Yeah, he was week one. Tom Savage started against the Jaguars, finished that game seven for 13 for 60 yards. And they went to, I think it was Deshaun Watson right afterwards. Eh, they started about yeah, right. They started Deshaun Watson in the second half of that game. Yeah, sounds about right. Good choice, at least for the time being mm-hmm. on that one. Yep. Yeah, it worked out well. Number four, boys, most likely to be the MVP that is a non-quarterback. Okay. Pick Derrick Henry here. I think Derrick Henry is going to break the single season rushing record this year. Got 17 games to do it. And that's why I think he's going to break it. And I think if you break that, and depending on what his touchdown numbers look like and where Tennessee is at in the standings, I think for this to happen, Tennessee would have to win their division, right? Like it's hard to be second in your division and get a wild card and get an MVP on top of it. But I think Derrick Henry is going to be a piece of that team this season. But I think he's also going to be the highlight piece of that team with a 17-week schedule. Non-quarterbacks to win it. I don't know if a running back can win it in 2021. I feel like a running back would have to, because if you're going to give it to a wide receiver, you're going to be talking about the quarterback instead of the wide receiver. That's why I would go defense. Shinks, wow. Chase it, Young. Something like that. Yeah, Chase, Chase Young, Young you got to win the division then. Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald. Like I, I think somebody like that, that racks up 25 sacks in a season. I think that's what you're going to have to do to be able to win something. TJ Watt, Hmm. who just signed that mega extension yesterday and is finally under contract for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's what it would take. Maybe a corner that gets like 15 interceptions in a season. Something like that. like a Jalen Ramsey doing that with the Rams. Yeah, I don't think it's likely, but I would go if you're saying a non-quarterback to win it. Aaron Aaron Donald might be my guy. And I... And I think with it's impossible almost for a wide receiver because then the QB would yeah. probably get and, it. And then tight end, I mean, because you, you could look at Travis Kelsey, but again, I think you're if talking about Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes because of it, yeah. All right, fifth one. I had fun on this one, boys, and I'm sure you will as well. Most likely to be blown out of proportion after a week one victory. So what I mean by this is they go out and they win it, and we people overreact. are going, oh my God, this team's going to be a Super Bowl contender. Some people can say I did that with the Dallas Cowboys, although I'd like to back that up a little bit. My team were the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle always seems to start the season red hot. They'll they'll score three or four touchdowns. Russell Wilson would look like an MVP, and we'll be like, oh, my God, here it is. They got it finally figured out. Come week eight, I think Russell Wilson usually hits the dry spell, and then they never can find their way out of the funk. Seattle's a team for me that I think are going to be blown out of proportion, but is also a team that might not make the playoffs. It's interesting. I think there's a few that could fit into this category. I think the first one that immediately comes into mind, and I'm not picking them, but if they were to win, I think the Saints. If the Saints beat the Packers on Sunday and what's basically a nationally televised late afternoon start, I think people would be like, whoa, 
Maybe Jameis Winston could keep the Saints back on track, and maybe it's true Drew Brees was the problem for the Saints last year. That's such Again, a good one. I don't believe any of that, but if they beat the Packers, who everybody is coming into the season thinking is one of the probably three favorites in the NFC, that's a team that would get this kind of over overload hype. I think either the Chargers or the Washington football team fit into this category really well. I Whoever Was- wins that game. I thought Washington did. The Chargers, man, I actually would buy into the hype after week one. They Did you see Austin Eckler's already hurt? No. Austin Eckler is hurt. He's wow. got some kind of a hamstring injury. I don't know if he's going to be able to play this weekend or not. I haven't seen the latest on him, but he's always freaking hurt. He's been sitting out of practice so far this week. Yeah, so that that's a little concerning considering that's the thing that's been their problem for years now. <laughs> I think just because it's week one and a lot of crazy things can happen in week one, I think that there's a chance, and I don't know if this is even really being talked about, that the Steelers could win in Buffalo. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That that would be one that would get the hype machine going for them. Yeah. Especially if their defense looks awesome and they suffocate the Buffalo offense. Buffalo scores like 13 points. That's a good one. That's the way it could happen. That's a really good one. People will be talking about the steel curtain going into next week. Uh, You know who's another one that I think could be interesting? We could leave week one if the Titans have a big offensive performance against the Cardinals and people are like, why did we question the Titans coming into this year? They're so clearly the favorite in the AFC. It would be similar to the thing that we saw we saw after last night's game. I'm not going to name any names, but some people that came on their radio show the next day after the Cowboys offensive performance and say that they're clearly the favorites for the NFC East now. I'll stand by that. Clearly the favorites for the NFC East. I'm with you for what it's worth. Show me who's better. Um, Don't don't you give me the damn Philadelphia Eagles. No, no. Washington, maybe. We'll see on Washington. Washington's already got their wide receiver hurt this season. (laughs) Fair. Uh, The Titans are another team that I think could fit into that category, though. That's not true. I think there's a few different. Because I picked Derrick Henry as an MVP. If they beat the Chiefs, the Browns will be the team. Yeah, but that would actually be backing up. Like, if they actually look good against the Chiefs, it's not like it's an anomaly victory. They beat the Chiefs last year, and look how far they went into the playoffs. I know it's only been... lost to the Chiefs, but they beat them in the regular season. (laughs) Is anybody in the NFC East even seriously going to be on the same planet as the Cowboys this year? I think Washington Washington can be good. If they stay healthy. Because I like Antonio Gibson. I like when you have um, their wide receiver core, which I'm completely forgetting the first guy. Their number, Terry McLaren. um, Gandy Golden. And then with Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel when he's healthy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Guy's already on the injured list. What the hell, man? I was wondering if I missed something. Cleveland never beat KC last year. It's like, did I forget Cleveland beat KC? Oh, no, Kansas Vegas City? beat KC. <laughs> like, That's what? who I was thinking of. Yeah, because I bet on that game. Yeah, that was a very unfortunate I put the game over on that one, and thank God Derek Carr actually showed up for once. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we'll dive into the junk drawer. We'll ask Jeremy Fowler this question. Who's he think is the team that is most likely to get the hype after week one if they get a big-time victory? We'll do that coming up at 1 o'clock. But coming up next... Yesterday, Craig Button, former NHL GM, told us that he doesn't see the view, the Blues right now as a legitimate Stanley Cup threat. What needs to happen between now and the playoffs for him to change that? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. But I think it's a team that, uh, you know, with an opportunity to add a defenseman or two at some point in time, and that might be from within. I don't see it. I think there's going to have to be outside addition. But I could be wrong. But at this point in time, unless that blue line takes a step forward and takes a step up in terms of, uh, like I said, four, five, six, seven, even the depth, eight, 
it's not a Stanley Cup contender at this point in time. That was former NHL general manager, now TSN hockey analyst Craig Button on with us yesterday. If you missed that interview, I highly recommend checking out it out. Podcast page is 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's talk about that for a minute. He was explaining why he doesn't view the Blues as a Stanley Cup contender just yet. He's got a lot of the same questions that we've been talking about, Alex. Now, we have also talked about Zidane Chara, who he does not view Craig Button as a legitimate answer for the Blues. He did like the idea of a guy like Scott Mayfield as a potential trade acquisition for the Blues. Do you view that as the biggest missing piece for this team right now to be a cup contender? Do you agree with Button's assessment that it's the depth on the blue line? I don't even know if it's the depth, in my opinion, because I think you have a lot of guys who can play the 5-6 role. Marco Scandella, Robert Bortuzzo, Jake Wallman, Nico Mikola, Scott Perunovic. Those are five guys. Steve Santini looked really well last season. Six guys can play two positions for you. You're missing that number three defenseman. On, you're, you're missing the number two on the left side, the number three overall, number four overall, however you want to look at it. I think you're set with Tory Krug and Justin Falk because those are the offensive minds. Falk proved himself as a defensive defenseman last year. Colton Pareko, if healthy, is your best defenseman. You're missing one more defensive-minded big mongoon on the blue line. That's what you're missing. And and I don't know who it is because a lot of people thought Zdeno Chara. Craig Button shot that down and said, you know what, it makes him better, but it doesn't make him a cup contender. And I tend to agree with him because 45, 44 years old, he still has it. It's not like he's not going to be able to play for you, but it's not to the same level that Jay Bomeister was when you were so successful. It's going to come down to you making a trade and getting somebody in the Vladimir Tarasenko flip that can play that it's got to be somebody who can play the left side too bk you can't go get another right side of defenseman because then he's playing on the third pairing or you're pushing justin falk to the left side well scott mayfield's a right side defenseman and mayfield would be a perfect addition to this team he makes them a better team but he re- he would replace robert bortuzzo in my opinion bortuzzo becomes Final a seventh bet. defenseman i know you hate bortuzzo and i don't understand why he blocks like shots bortuzzo as a pl- as a as a person well obviously i, I think they can upgrade that spot him in as their a player I, I think he's a perfectly adequate guy to have in the locker room um to be on the roster with without having to be a regular on the ice yeah you hate as bortuzzo a, as a player like Wayno as a player where you won't want to pull the fences no. in so he can in a home no, run oh that's not fair that's what happened don't you do that to me <laughs> that's what happened but look Mayfield, if you get Mayfield, you're a closer team to a cup contender, I think, but he's on your third pairing. You still are missing somebody on the left side. I don't like Scandella there because I don't like Scandella playing 19, 20 minutes a night. I don't like Nico Mikla or Jake Wallman playing there because they don't have that big mindset that can be established as a veteran presence. So I think what you need to do is I think you if you if you're stuck with Tarasenko this season, try and get him to prove himself as an established forward who can play. And then get close to that trade deadline, which I know it's you're going to hate this, BK, because that means you got to hold on to him like February. Get close to that trade deadline. Right. I mean, if you start the season with him, everything Might that as I've well, said right? doesn't matter. That's yeah. true. If you, if you can get to that trade deadline and there's a team out there that has a defenseman that's a pending UFA that they're not going to be able to re-sign and they need a forward, then you flip it that way. But that means you have to to keep your head above water in the Central Division up until that point, which is a tough task to have. I think this offense might be enough to overcome those issues. I, I, I think so. I really like their their top six in particular, and then once they're fully healthy, I like the depth that they have on their forwards lines. But I'm with you. They need to, at the trade deadline, acquire at least one. It might even be two defensemen that you need to look at for, for your defensive core. 
And once you have that, I think it looks really good, man. On paper, this team has just about everything you're looking for, but they could very much use a big time. I mean, Jamie Alexiak, that, that's what they're missing. The Mongoon, man. They and missed him. They couldn't get him because Seattle offered him a contract that he couldn't refuse. And God bless him. He, he got good, time, good money on the market. But if they can find not Alexiak, but their version of that, and I don't know who it is. I, I don't know where you find him. Maybe somebody becomes available as we get closer to the deadline, and that team is willing to take a second-round pick for him. This is the type of year where that kind of trade makes sense for the Blues. Yeah. And then if you flip Vladimir Tarasenko for something else, maybe it's a third-line left-winger to go along with a prospect or something like that. I think that's where things get a little interesting for the Blues, but they definitely need one more defenseman at least, and maybe two, depending on depending on how things go this year with Tory Krug. If Krug plays the same way this year that he did last year defensively, he's probably a guy that I think is best suited in a third pairing defensive role. Krug, yeah, in terms of ice time, if he plays the way he did last year. If he's better, he can definitely be in the top four. If he plays the way he did most of the time in Boston, from everything that we've heard, yeah. he's top four defenseman. But if you gotta he have plays the like he did last year, still. then it's it's probably third. You got to have the matchups with Tory Krugan. That's what Boston did so well. Boston would pair him with a really good shutdown defenseman like a Zdeno Chara or a Brandon Carlo. They let him be the offensive weapon while the stay-at-home guy stayed on the blue line. And Tory Krug did what he needed to do, but they never matched him against the other team's top units. He always went against the third or fourth line pairs. And that doesn't mean he's a third line defenseman, but that means you have to have three other defensemen who you feel much more comfortable with going against. Like a perfect example were the Blues in the 1819 season. Pareko and Bo Meester were your shutdown pair, they were your number one pairing. But on paper, your number one pairing was Alex Petrangelo and Carl Gunnarsson. Mm hmm. But Bo Meester and Pareko always played against the top unit. Petrangelo always played against that next level down. That's what needs to happen with Tory Krug. The problem is the two guys you have on the right side are both offensive-minded guys. Well, Pareko can do it. I, I'm pretty confident Pareko can do it. The problem is who's next to him. Well, and Pareko's so much better at being the guy that goes into the he offensive He was on that zone. defensive unit, though. With, he with, was. Uh, going back two years ago when they, when they had their Stanley Cup run. But he can do it, but with whom? <laughs> yeah. And that's where you get into the issues, and that's where they needed their Jamie Alexiak to pair with yeah. Colton Pareko. I like this. Right Nico Mikola could fall in a chemical spill or get bit by a spider. Then he becomes a Mongoon. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in this show. We have a lot of people that are mad at me for saying that Krug is, What'd you uh, do now? is not in the top four. I Guys, Krug is, is a very good power play player, and he had some moments last year. But defensively, we all agreed in the moment that it wasn't good and it needed to be better. I think the Blues would agree with that, that it needed to be better defensively that. than what it was a year ago for him. And if if he plays to that same capability, that version of Tory Krug was basically Vince Dunn. And Vince Dunn, a lot of the time, was a third-pairing defenseman for the Blues. Loved him on the power play, was a guy that had some really great moments, but defensively, at times, was a, a liability. liability. That was the way that Tory Krug played last year. I think he can be better. Similar to what we saw from Justin Falk, I'm expecting a a return to form for Tory Krug in year two in this system. If he does that, top four guy. Yep. Absolutely no questions about it. I will be happy to watch him in that capacity, and I'm going to be happy that he's improved. But if he plays the way he did last year, yeah, that version of Tory Krug, in my opinion at least, was a, a third-pairing defenseman yeah. in terms of what he does on the ice, and then you love having him on your power play.
the player that I have in mind to go back to the defensive of how to upgrade there, and I don't know how this would be possible because it's in your own division, but keep an eye on Matias Ekholm. They don't get him locked up. He's a lefty. He's going to hit free agency, but they just traded away Ryan Ellis in the offseason, so I don't know if he would be available. But I'd say just keep an eye on that player because he might be somebody interesting. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kiley. Hey, a little bit of uh, reporting to pass along. This comes from Jeff Passan. There is some news in the Trevor Bauer storyline. He is going to be out officially for the remainder of the 2021 season and the postseason after Major League Baseball and the MLBPA agreed to extend his administrative leave. Uh, John Heyman reported that he was likely to be out for the rest of the year, and now that has been confirmed according to pass and there's no new information that surfaced in the bauer investigation him being out for the rest of the year is just an acknowledgement from the union and league that with the league's investigation into him ongoing and the season waning there's just no way that he was going to be able to return anyway so you might as well go ahead and announce it now so that's where we're at trevor bauer officially out for the rest of the year for the dodgers they've basically replaced him in their rotation with max scherzer the Dodgers are going to be A-OK with this, and I, based on all the reporting, it seemed like the players didn't want him back in that clubhouse anyway, so I don't think anybody's going to be shedding any tears for Trevor Bauer in that locker room. With Alex Ferrari on Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kiley. Jeremy Fowler is going to join the show coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so. We'll dive into the junk drawer coming up next. to dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is going to join us here in just a few minutes to talk about that awesome game from last night. And if he were to pick one team that's going to be the overreaction team based on their win this weekend, who would he go with? We'll do that coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so. But Alex asked an interesting question during the break, and we'll go ahead and carry it over here. He's got the baby tonight, and his wife is doing work. She's going to be out of the house. And Alex needs to mow the lawn. It's bad. It's like it's uh, it's past my ankles now. Like it's bad. Oh, Alex, buddy, what happened? My well, man? we were on, we were in Memphis for somebody's damn bachelor party this past you week. Watch out for, for the snakes, Alex. Hours. Oh, what are you talking about? Yeah, but Saturday I had a wedding my wife was doing, so I had the baby then, and then I'm gone on Sunday. The day we were both home, I left on Thursday and got back on Monday, and my, you know, BK, my lawn looked pristine. BK, I don't get to go home every day and just be like, you know, what would be great just to crack open a nice beer and start cutting the lawn. That, tough but fair. That's very fair. Um, So Alex asked me, man, I I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to be able to mow the lawn when I got to take care of the baby. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. I feel like I have found the solution to this problem, and Alex seems to disagree with my solution. Don't you have that pouch that you can put on your chest? The baby Bjorn? Yeah. I mean, you were were playing. I saw the picture with you playing putt-putt. Yeah. And you had no issues doing that. Why couldn't you? You know, you've got some the the earplugs. Throw the earplugs in. Put her in the the baby pouch. You're ready to go. Mow that lawn. Marty, bada you're boom, a father. What do you think? <laughs> He's not being literal. <laughs> I very much no, am. You know what the sad part is, Marty? He very much is being literal about this. What's the problem? MBK, you know what the difference between having a baby and a Bjorn while you're playing mini golf and cutting grass? I don't. There's What's not the debris flying around in the air while you're cutting. There's sunglasses, not this, big guy. There's you not this, trip and fall. There's not this large noise of a lawnmower blade that is 
cutting your yard. Very loud? Yeah, that's what the earplugs are. <laughs> they wouldn't help that. Oh, and you think a baby's just like, oh, yeah, Dad, sure, I'll just hang here for two hours while you cut the grass in the heat. You've got your headphones on, too. It's not that hot outside. You know a sun, and it hits a baby's skin. That's what the sunscreen's for, man. You guys oh, you have the... all the damn answers for this, don't you? <laughs> you guys went to Branson. What do you... Yeah, we weren't out in the sun. Was it not loud there? No. Not not okay. not loud next to a lawnmower. What happens if you do what Marty just said and you trip when you're cutting the grass? Well, you got to be an athlete. Issue. You got to be an athlete while you're mowing the yard. Come on. The only play here is Don't you have a riding mower? Well, yeah, but I <laughs> What are we doing here? I still have to trim. Well, you I didn't know you had a riding mower. That changes things. Yeah, she's not going to sit there on the riding mower with me. Like I don't know why you think this baby You've got the baby Bjorn. She hates the, the baby Bjorn. Oh, well, that's a bigger problem. No, it's not. The baby hates it. Plus, I'm not going to take a baby out when I'm cutting grass. Well, There's bugs out there. What if a bee stings her? People seem to agree with me. No, they don't. Yeah. I've seen at least one. I like <laughs> this one. It's simple. Just don't cut the grass today. Well, that would be simple. But as I mentioned, it's past my ankles. My wife and I have obligations tomorrow and on Sunday. So if I keep waiting, sooner or later, somebody in my neighborhood's going to call somebody. And then eventually it's going to rain, as we know. And then you can't you can't do it then. Yes. Now you're screwed. Here's the problem, too. Is they say do it during the nap. And Marty, you said this as well. Put her down for the nap. My baby takes like 20-minute naps. Like she, I, I swear my kid has FOMO. She has the fear of missing out 24-7 because she always wants to play. She's always laughing and smiling. We put her down for a nap. She'll kick for a good 20, 30 minutes and scream, falls asleep. Ten minutes later, wakes up and smiling and laughing again. Somebody says if BK was a real friend, he'd come over and babysit after work to help you. No, man. That's a great point. Do you know how far Alex lives from me? That's a great point. I live 15 minutes from where we are at right now. From here? Yeah, I will map it for you. I live 15 minutes. You live like 45 minutes outside of the city. I live. There's no way it's 15 18 minutes, minutes from, from here with no traffic. Yeah, it's 45 minutes to an hour from where I live. No chance I'm helping you out for that. You'd have to pay me way more than you'd have to pay a babysitter. Says Alex, would you ever break down and hire someone just for one cut? Um, if it got out of hand, I probably would. But if I told my wife that I paid somebody to cut my grass, she'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? My wife will come home at 830 at night and she'll be like, well, I'll go cut it now. I said, you can't cut it now. She's like, well, why not? Like because one, it's dark out. Two, people are not going to enjoy hearing that. And yep. three, mosquitoes are a you know what at this time. Another reason why you can't cut the grass with a baby on a Bjorn. Because the mosquitoes. Yeah, kid's going to get West Nile. <laughs> okay. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Marty with you, Jenkins. Man? I'm Brandon Kylie. Sorry, man. I'm, I'm trying to help you, you out here. I thought you were a teammate, though. I thought this was BK and Ferrario. Come over and watch my kid for me. You know better Actually, than that. Actually, that would be dangerous, You know Marty. better than that. Never invite him over to watch your kid. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very bad idea. This, oh, my God. Sorry. Real quick on, the t- on, the t- on my Twitter. Okay, this is simple. Imagine telling your wife, I strapped our daughter to my chest while cutting the grass. Probably going to go over well. I don't see the problem here. <laughs> Jeremy Fowler is a reporter for ESPN. He does great work talking NFL at all times. We'll ask him who he thinks the overreaction team's going to be this weekend. They get a big win. Everybody overreacts on Monday. Who's it going to be? We'll ask Jeremy Fowler next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Alex 
Sports Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Always happy to be joined by the great Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL reporter. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at JFowlerESPN. Jeremy joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jeremy, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing after what was a pretty awesome game last night? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was good to see you. Uh... Some quality football. You never quite know first game of the year if it's just going to be ugly, but this one was uh, pretty pure. What was your biggest takeaway from that one last night? Everybody's talking about the Cowboys offense and then obviously Brady doing what he does down the stretch and finding a way to win, but what was your single biggest takeaway from that game last night? Well, the biggest has to be Dak. You know, I mean, it was just it's been 11 months since he played. Uh, and the Cowboys felt good about where he was at, but uh, you just didn't know how he would deliver because uh, he just hasn't done it in a long time. Uh, you know, I talked to some other coaches. They felt what was all the more impressive was, you know, he probably didn't look 100%, at least from the lower body. You know, like it's going to take him maybe a few games to get his rhythm, to be able to explode and throw it while he's throwing the ball. He maybe didn't have his, his fastball, but he was still awesome. So that's a good sign that, you know, he can win just off his decision-making and accuracy. Uh, and then Antonio Brown, you know, really, uh, I got to give credit to uh, Matthew Barry, our fantasy guru, who said he'll, he's going to be a monster in fantasy despite all the options Tampa has. And I think that's pretty clear after last night. You know, he and Tom Brady have always had a rapport. Now AB's in his second year there. I mean, you know, he's not far removed from being the best in the game. And, and here we are. Now, Jeremy, you're the expert on this, so feel free to call me crazy if you'd like, but I'm watching this game last night. Am I crazy to think that Dallas is a lot closer than Tampa than originally thought before the season began? Well, they're better. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to go that far yet. Uh, you know, Tampa with the – you know, like the cornerback position was the one spot where they're a little thin, and so when they lost Sean Murphy bunting uh, – you know, Dallas, Dallas smartly attacked that the right way. And so I think Tampa knows it's got to adjust that. I think they're better on defense than they showed, even though, you know, Dallas could not run the ball in them at all. They're going to be dominant up front yet again. Um, so I'm not ready to say that they're closing the gap on Tampa, but they're clearly better. There's no reason why they shouldn't try to be, you know, at least slightly above 500. It's been a while for Dallas, probably three years since they've done that. Um, you know, their offense, they can be a top five offense. I don't think there's any question about that. And the defense was probably passable. It wasn't great, but passable. And I think that's all you can expect right now from them. So earlier today, Jeremy, Alex asked me this question, and I think it's an interesting one. I want to get your thoughts on it. And the Cowboys actually might be the team that applies. But when we leave Sunday and we get into Monday and you guys are doing get up and we're overreacting to everything that we just saw from the the first NFL weekend, who's going to be the team that gets the big win, that gets us all to overreact, and then four weeks later we're all looking silly for overreacting to one week? Who's that team that's most likely to be the overreaction Monday team? Ooh, let's see. I'm gonna look at the schedule. I gotta look at the schedule, but I think um, you know maybe Raiders. I, I picked the Raiders to beat Baltimore. You know, Baltimore's had a rough couple weeks, as we know. Um, the Raiders expect to be better on defense. I think they'll probably come out hot on Monday Night Football, and then then they might fall apart a little bit. You know, it, Atlanta's in a position to win their game, um, but I don't think they're going to be all that great. I think they'll be better, but not all that great. Washington. You know, I picked them to beat the Chargers, um, just in part because I just, for whatever reason, I like the upset pick there. You know, Fitzpatrick can get hot. Um, we know that defensive front seven is going to be good. 
But I don't know if they're going to be good enough to carry a season and be a 10-11 win team yet. So that could be an overreaction there. Jeremy, what's your thoughts with what's going to happen with the Ravens? I mean, of course, they've been dealing with the injuries of the running back, J.K. Dobbins, and then Gus Edwards. Then we find out yesterday that Marcus Peters is going to be out for the rest of the season. And they have options that they have brought in that can fill that void on running back. But it feels like when you take away all these weapons from Lamar Jackson, you might be talking about a team that's going to have an underperforming year. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the good news for them is uh, they're pretty loaded on defense, even without Marcus Peters. Um, and they have enough on offense. I mean, they're, they're going to have to rely even more on Lamar. It's going to be, uh, I don't want to say all on him, but more so on him. And, uh, you know, they've, they've signed more weapons to pass for him to pass to, but some of those guys are injured too. So I think the first couple of weeks they need him to be an MVP again. Like, it's pretty clear they need him to be sort of a superhero a little bit. But um, this defense, especially up front, it has a chance to be really good. So, uh, you know, and Peters is a great player. He's great at turning the ball over. He's also a flawed player. You know, he'll he'll try to, uh, you know, plug in passing lanes when maybe he shouldn't and gets burned sometimes. So, you know, Baltimore will take the good and the bad with that and whoever his replacement is. Um, you know, Gus Edwards hurts because they're just so stripped down putting together spare parts in the backfield. But they do believe that they have the kind of running game that can plug and play a little bit. Um, they like Tyson Williams, the young guy, so we'll just you know see where it goes. We're talking to Jeremy Fowler for another few minutes here on 101 ESPN. He's ESPN senior NFL reporter. Follow him on Twitter as well, at ESPN. Jeremy, we've all got our teams, right? The team that you're believing in that maybe you're higher on than most. Who are the teams for you going into this season that you, you're just you're staking your claim on them? That's your squad that you believe is going to be a little better than consensus. Well, I'll probably start with the Chargers. Maybe that's in part because I got an up-close look. I did a West Coast training camp trip and saw them uh, for two days. And there's just there's too much talent to fumble it, you know. Like, every year we say the Chargers are going to do it and they fall apart or they have injuries or whatever. Um, I just don't know if that's going to be the case this year. I just have a feeling they're going to be better. I, you know, I like Brandon Staley, uh, first-year head coach, very smart guy, very cerebral guy. Um, you know, so the defense, I think, will be in a good place as a result. And, like, you know, they got six receivers they can all play. they got three running backs, four running backs that can all play. they got three tight ends that are all talented. Um, and then the Justin Herbert's probably a top-ten quarterback going into the year. So uh, it's just hard to mess that up. The offensive line's better. You know, that's a team I point to right now that uh, I think is going to be just fine. And, you know, and then look, the, the Saints, right? And nobody's really picking the Saints because of Drew Brees being gone. But uh, Brees' arm strength was on – the very last leg at the end of last year, and, and Jameis could actually give them a spark. I think Sean Payton likes the challenge of being able to get it done without Drew. Jeremy, I want to go back into the Dallas Cowboys conversation and just the NFC East in a whole. I mean, we all made fun of the NFC East last year because nobody seemed to want to get into the playoffs. We just saw the Cowboys last night. You mentioned the Washington football team on their potential this season. Could the NFC East actually be decent this year compared to what it was last year? Well, it has to be, and it has to be better. Um, there's just it can't be worse. I mean, it, it really. I don't know if there's any way around it. So, um, the I, I think really on paper, every team should be better. Um, you know, Washington is well. Washington's the one wild card to me because it's not easy to go seven and nine. Um, they did it without much offensive firepower. I don't know if they have all that much more. Um, they're not a slam dunk, but you'd like them to go 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. Like, I could see them doing that, where Dallas has to be better. Philly cannot get worse. 
Um, even though people think Philly's in a bit of a rebuilding mode, and they are, uh, but I'm hearing, you know, they sort of convince themselves that they're going to be good now. Like, there, there are some expectations. Like, this coaching staff isn't trying to develop guys. You know, they're trying to win now. Um, so that could be a, an interesting one. And then, the, you know, the Giants, I'm bullish on the Giants. That's another team I would probably include in my list. Um, you know, I just think Joe Judge with his toughness and uh, Patrick Graham with his game plans on defense, like, they, you know, they're going to be in every single game. So if they can just get enough from that offensive line, and some of those weapons that they added, including Saquon, will, will kind of come to fruition. They'll be in good shape. All right, Jeremy, I got to ask you about the Jaguars because all of the reporting that has come out of Jacksonville so far this preseason, training camp and everything seems to indicate that it's a tire fire out there with Urban Meyer in charge. I liked the hire. I, I thought it was inspired. I thought it was different. It was going to be interesting. I didn't know if it was going to work, but I liked the hire. Based on all of your reporting, the conversations you've had with people that have been close to that situation, how bad is it with Urban Meyer right now as the head coach in Jacksonville? Well, they haven't even started yet. It can't be too bad. I, I know what you're getting at. I think, um, you know, there, there's he, he does things differently, so it's been an adjustment for some veterans. But um, I, I don't think it's – like it, his words ring hollow there. Um, they're going to give it a chance. And, uh, look, he, he's a – He's a unique guy, but he's a. What's underrated is he's not just like a program builder and a recruiter. He's a very skilled coach from every spot. Like he knows all twenty-two positions. I mean, he's coached for a long time. He's been a receivers coach. He's coached on defense. Uh, you know, he knows the offensive line and how things should be run. Like so, I, I think kind of like Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan and guys like that. I'm not saying he's them at the NFL level, but those guys are known for that too. Like very detailed in every single step that every guy is taking. And so as a result, you know, I think that, that his football acumen will be uh, respected by the end of the year. I don't know if that's going to translate into wins, but he'll be in a good spot. Last question that I've got for you, Jeremy. Are Houston and Detroit going to be as bad as people are expecting? Or is, is there a case to be made for those teams to be better than consensus? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, Houston will be in some games because Tyrod Taylor's a veteran, and they, they're not totally void of talent on defense. You know, they got some guys in the front seven. But, yeah, it's going to be pretty ugly. And who is the other team? Oh, Detroit. Detroit, yeah. Um, the defense is going to be tough just because they just don't have much there. It's going to be tough. To, you know, they can't outscore guys. They don't have that kind of offense. I think with, you know, they got good running backs. They got a good line. They got a great tight end and Hawkinson. So I think because of that, um, they will be in games, uh, you know, and they can manufacture some points as a result. You know, Jared Goff should have an edge to him based on the way he was treated in LA trying to kind of reclaim his spot. And so I think they'll be in games, but I don't have them winning a lot of games. Appreciate it. Hey, that's Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at JFowlerESPN. Jeremy, enjoy the weekend, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. That's Jeremy Fowler joining us here on 101 ESPN. Man, it it's pretty rare that you can look at a team in week one of an NFL season before they've even played and say, yeah, it's over. It's completely done before they even began for both Detroit and for Houston. It's over before they even begin. It's this over, year. but I can see Houston winning a game or two. I don't see Detroit winning a game this season. Oh, you think Detroit's better? No, I don't or, see me, You see, you think Houston's better uh, because of what Jeremy said. I think Houston at least has some pieces on defense. Detroit has nothing. I'll take that. Will you? Six-pack on Detroit. I'll, I'll take Detroit. You take Houston. On who the worst team is at the yeah, end of the season? Who has a better record at the end of the year? Just okay. straight-up better record. If it's, You if, really think Detroit is going to be better than what Houston mm-hmm. Detroit has nothing. I know.
<laughs> which tells you exactly how I feel about Houston. Wow. I at least Detroit has a fresh new feeling around it. And I know wants to break kneecaps. I know nobody likes Dan Campbell. Well, I like him. I I, just don't (laughs) like him as a coach. I I get it. This guy is a maniac who psycho. He orders a cold brew, a 20 ounce cold brew, two of them, and then throws in two shots of espresso on top of it. He orders a heart attack every day. It's just a matter of it actually catching up to him. <laughs> Did you see the video of the NFL reporter who tried He <laughs> tried, tried he, he tried to drink uh, Dan Campbell's daily regimen of Starbucks. He got through the first one and was like, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. Tried drinking half of the second one and then came back on. He was like, I can't do it. Dan Campbell, you win. You're a crazy person. I think we found the punishment for the loser of the BK <laughs> oh, no. Ferrario Pickums next week. The amount of caffeine that he has on a day-to-day Can you imagine, basis? T-Bone, if we make him drink that in the morning? Because, look, T-Bone's <laughs> going to lose because he already went 0-1. Have Tanner start that at 7 when he gets here for Dan's show. And then it's not <laughs> Tanner's like... <laughs> Tanner's just going to be shaking How many shaking buttons do you think through? he hits by accident on the board? It would not be good. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take the fighting Dan Campbells against your fighting right. Cullies. Oof. It's going to go well for both of us. I'm picking a team that is run by a team chaplain. It's going to be it's great. All right. I think it will be better than Dan Campbell. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. Marty's Com- favorite. Coming up next, though, you might not believe it, but the Cardinals have actually started playing like a playoff team. We'll talk about it next. More of the guys right now. BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Smart House Heating and Cooling. On 101 ESPN. The second wild card has been added, and that is hit out to deep left. Did he get it up? It's at the wall, and it is gone. It's a home run. Tyler O'Neill just over the wall and left. That was yesterday. Tyler O'Neill with another big home run. He's been great of late for the Cardinals. And Alex with Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals have kind of been playing like a playoff team over the last, you know, month or so. How'd that feel to say? Felt pretty nasty, honestly, because the weird thing is, if you look statistically, they've been pretty good since August 17th. And that dates back to that Milwaukee Brewer series that did not go well for them. I'm talking about the one where uh, they ended up losing in 10 innings. Six to four. Yeah, not good. Yeah, um, but it's also been pretty good statistically. So they're 10 and 12 in this stretch. Not great. It's not what you want, especially considering uh, there were some tough losses in here. But as a team, they're fourth in OPS plus offensively in that stretch. Starting pitching wise, they're sixth in innings pitched. The bullpen has been solid in this stretch. Now, obviously, there have been some bad moments that we can point to and say, no, 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 no. Bullpen BK, not good. Look at this and this and this. I'm with you. High leverage spots have been an issue. But if you look at the overall ERA since August 17th, Sixth in the National League. Perfectly acceptable. They've actually had a better bullpen in this stretch than Milwaukee has, than Atlanta has, than Cincinnati has, than San Diego has. So you're right there with the teams that you're going up against. Now, you're going to even need to take that a step further over the next month or so to be able to get into the postseason. Because now you're going up against Cincinnati, New York, San Diego, Milwaukee. Those teams are not going to be easy to perform at the same level against. And Alex, I love this weekend as a test, as a measuring stick for where the Cardinals are at, because this is one of those those series. You got to find a way to win it without the help of Wayno. Wayno's been your guy. You're nine and one in his last 10 starts on the season. 
This weekend, you got Lester, Michaelis, and Hap on the mound. Those are three question marks at best for the Cardinals right now. If you're able to take two of three in this series with those three on the mound, and then you've got Wayno going against New York in that first game uh, against the Mets, you're going to feel pretty good about where you're at going into that Mets series. But if you drop two of three, you lose the series, you end up getting swept, whatever it might be, that's where things start going south. So the Cardinals have been playing statistically like a legitimate playoff team of late, but they've got to improve upon that even and get some better starts out of their question marks in the rotation to be able to continue that. Yeah, I love that idea and I love that mindset to see what this team is without Wayno because we all have seen that this season. But what we do know is that this team seems to put themselves in losing skids without Wayno and Wayno seems to break those losing skids I will agree with you the offense has been a little bit more positive as of late but I will also be the negative Nancy in this situation and say the Cardinals did play what three bullpen games against the Dodgers and won two two of them yeah you didn't face starters like you're starting you're going up against in the Cincinnati series the Milwaukee or the, the the New York Mets series or the Padre series now I know a lot of those starters have not been good this season but the Cardinals seem to struggle against other teams starting pitchers so will the offense be able to come out and shine in these series I think that's what everyone's going to be sitting in waiting for a lot of people are pretty skeptical but if you can do what you have done against the Dodgers bullpen games and do that against Cincinnati which look they have had success against hitting against the Cincinnati Reds there's no denying that but the Cardinals also have had problems with their bullpen can you do it without Wayno in the three against Cincinnati Wayno might be able to be the stopgap for you against the Mets but you might actually face some decent pitchers in terms of starters with the Mets. I don't know what the projections are, but you might get Marcus Stroman in one of those games. Yeah, at least right as of now. This is subject to change, but as of now, you're expected to go up against uh, Stroman on Tuesday. And then in the Padres series... You've got Molly, uh, Castillo, and Gray this weekend, so you've got their three Castillo, you've hit around a lot this season, so I'm not as concerned with that one. Molly will be an interesting one because he's a lefty, correct? What'd you say? Is is Mo- Tyler Molly? He's a lefty for the Cincinnati Reds. He's a righty. Oh, he's a righty. Okay, my mistake. So I, I feel comfortable with the Red series. Like I'm interested in that one. The the Mets one will be interesting. I, I think you're going to get struggles there. And look, the Padres series. I know the Padres have been stinking by a lot of people's national perspective. Been eight and sixteen in their last. 24. But they've been bad against good decent teams and I know the Cardinals can be considered a decent team. But like if you put the Cardinals against a Blake Snell or a Denilson Lamette, I think the Cardinals are going to struggle against those guys because the offense has been so inconsistent this season. 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 630. Guys, those numbers that BK just gave are skewed by the all or nothing games. The offense will give you 12 runs and then they'll give you nothing. The starting pitching goes one game where they get eight innings of shutout ball by Wayno, and then the next day their next starter stinks. And then the bullpen will give you six innings of great work one day and blow it the next. That's the all or nothing that we get with the Cardinals in 2021. Absolutely. No, no, no questions about it. And that's the thing about this team is the lack of consistency. The last time that we saw the Cardinals be consistently good was right before and right after the all-star break. And before then you have to go all the way back to the middle of April. They've had moments. They've had a week here or there they've had a few games where consistently maybe it's in one series or hey you loved the way the end of that series went and the start of another series went but they don't sustain it unless it's been or i guess there was that that week stretch uh, recently where they went up against horrible opponents with oh was it the 
Royals and Pirates for 10 games. And you felt pretty good about that one as well. But otherwise, they just haven't been able to string together 10 straight games of quality baseball lately. That's what they're going to have to do here. If they're going to get back into this thing and overtake these teams, you've got to consistently win two out of three. I know Mike Schilt said the game against the Dodgers was not a must win. And none of these games individually are truly must win. But when you were down 2-0 against the Dodgers in that series and you were facing the threat of losing the Wayno game and then going into a game where Jake Woodford, you have no idea what you're going to get out of him. Yeah, that's a must win. It is. Same thing going into this series. If the Cardinals were to lose tonight, lose on uh, Saturday against Cincinnati, and then you've got Jay Happ on the mound, that game becomes a borderline must win for them. And that's how you got to treat the rest of this season. It's about urgency. You got to play your best dudes this weekend. I don't want to see uh, Yachty off a single time. Yachty's got to be in there every night. Paulian will probably be starting tonight. You got to have Mundo Sosa in every single game in this series. Well, can Carpenter play against righties? Nope. Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt need to be out there. Ooh. Dylan Carlson, keep him out there. Tyler O'Neill's on fire right now. He needs to be playing in every game. Go with your best dudes. This is when it's time for them to step up and play their best baseball. And if they're able to do that, Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. If they're not, then you're going to end up at the end of the year right around 500 like they have been all year long. Because the all or nothing has been their issue. And if they don't fix that, if they aren't able to sustain that quality level of play for for more games in a row... Yeah, it's going to be over for him earlier than any of us wanted it to be. The, the scary part is I'm not as concerned about the starting pitchers in these games as I am about the bullpen. Like, I'm comfortable with John Lester. Does he make me excited? No, but like, I feel like you'll get, he'll keep you in a game. Same with Jay Happ. Honestly, same with the Jake Woodford, although I was waiting for that to really blow up in their faces. I'm, I'm not as concerned about that. I'm more concerned about what happens once you get to the fifth inning because you don't have the normal blueprint of Henesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, Alex Reyes. Now you're throwing a lot of different curveballs in there, and I just don't know if they can hold up in that matchup. The nice thing is most of your guys are pretty rested right now kk should be available out of the pin whenever you need him to and he might not love the role but this is the role that he's in right now uh gallegos might be off today but he should be available for the rest of the weekend because he's only thrown 20 pitches in his last two appearances whitley ponce garcia miller cabrera all plenty rested ready to go for you tonight if you need them and alex reyes should be ready to go again by saturday or sunday if you need him so You've got guys that are available. It's a matter of utilizing them in the correct instances. Are you saying Mike Schilt did the right thing by sitting all those players against the Dodgers? You did a good job. Are you talking about the bullpen? No, I'm talking about the starting players because all of them are no. rested. No, I'm talking about their bullpen oh, right now. I'm not talking talk- about... The- <laughs> I thought you were saying Arnado and Goldschmidt and Yachty and DeYoung. They're all rested. Alex doesn't listen to the show. No, I don't listen to well, the your comfort service text line. Coming up next, you give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. Ferrario Hopefully part. you guys listen to the show better than Alex does. That's next on 101 <laughs> This is BK and Ferrario. Time now for One's Gotta Go. We offer up the talking points, and you get to pick which one's got to go on 101 ESPN. Six 
5780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for one gotta go. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's gotta go. By the way, while you're here, the roast of Jamie Rivers is Saturday night, taking place at the St. Louis Music Park at Centene Community Ice Center. Ian Bag is a stand-up comedian. He's headlining the group of celebrity roasters as they roast our guy Jamie Rivers. You must be 21 or older to attend. Tickets on sale now. All the details at 101ESPN.com. All right, let's start out with one gotta go Cardinals edition. One gotta go Cardinals moves that people disliked. The Matt Carpenter extension, trading Randy Rosarena, extending Miles Michaelis, or naming Mike Schilt as their next manager. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Carp extension, Michaelis extension, trading Randy A or Mike Schilt as the manager. If you could get rid of one of those moves, which one's got to go? Well, I'm not going to get rid of the Rosarena one because um, you're actually getting the, the, what's the phrase that Mike Schilt used all the time? You're sowing or you're reaping the benefit of what you sowed. I don't yeah, really yeah, know. Yeah. He's got so many out there. He's turning into what you needed. Or You've got a bountiful harvest from your current that's outfield. What we we're looking for. He's fine. Not going to put the Schilt one on here because, frankly, I think Schilt was a breath of fresh air after Matheny. Uh, the Michaelis one I'm good with. I'm going to get rid of the Matt Carpenter extension. And I know it looked great when the 40 home runs happened, and you're like, oh, man, where'd this come from? I think you could have spent that money elsewhere these last couple of off seasons. Um, there were guys on the market that could have improved your offense. So, yeah, I'm going to go Matt Carpenter. I'm going to co-sign on that one. I think that extension, um, looking back on it, yeah, he was hot for that one season, two seasons, but I, I'm going to go with that one as well. I, I totally get it. It's a fair fair one to look at. So his extension kicked in officially in 2019. 2019, he finished the year with a 726 OPS, and he's been pretty much bad ever since. Not been good. Miles Michaelis might be my answer to this, though. Miles Michaelis's extension has been longer. It continues for longer, and I have no idea what he's going to be into the future for this team. And it just felt completely unnecessary even at the time. So his extension started last year. You basically got nothing out of it. He continued this year, and you have two more years at $17 million per season after this year. Did they give that to him in the 2019 offseason? Uh, yes. So same time the Carpenter got it. Uh, right around there, yeah. I think Carpenter started going into the 2019 season. I think he got it after 2018, if I'm not mistaken, or like midway through. I can't remember the exact timing on when they signed it, but Michaelis has started in 2020. And you got nothing from him. So I think I might go with Miles Michaelis on this one. but you know what? You look at the the free agents in the 2019 offseason – if you and I know 17 million a year is a lot for Miles Michaelis, but we're talking like what what was it was like almost 20 million for Matt Carpenter? I think it was 16. I thought it was, yeah, I mean, you're not going to go after Garrett Cole. Maybe you make a run after Anthony Rendon if you don't give that money to Matt Carpenter. Maybe you make a run at a, a Strasburg or a JD Martinez or a Yunjin Ryu. I think you can address the problem of Miles Michaelis where it doesn't hurt as bad by not giving Carpenter that money. You might have. Could have got J.D. Martinez, man. You could have had the wheelchair out there two years ago. I think they would have just gone a, a bench bat, though. At this, like, When was the last time that they viewed Carpenter going into the season as an established everyday starter? I guess, maybe last year. Maybe they kind of viewed him that way last year. But I think even then there was it was up for debate. Is the carp extension why Wong walked? It didn't help. It didn't help. Yeah. That's a fair question. 
That's a fair question. I do think in the offseason, though, if they didn't have Michaelis, they went. They, they would have gone out and one. signed one. Of, well, they would have signed one of the starters. Oh, I got and you. And this year, you might not have been in the same issues that you had because okay. Miles Michaelis, you've been waiting all year for him to be able to come back. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for one got to go. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One's got to go. Entertainment edition. Music. Movies. TV shows or podcasts. If you had to get rid of one of those forms of entertainment, which one's got to go? I think I'd get rid of. Oh God, this is going to hurt to say. I think I'd get rid of TV shows. Mm. And I can't believe I'm saying that because wow. I'm getting rid of The Office, and that's like my life. But I'm just thinking, like, I don't know if I could survive driving without podcasts or music. I couldn't survive works at workouts without music. And frankly, if it comes down to movies or television, I enjoy movies a lot more than I do TV shows. Podcast. Um, I don't do. Yeah. Other than the BK and Ferrario podcast. Yeah, obviously. You're checking that out at 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. As well as my college football connection podcast. Of course. Look at this guy. (laughs) Look at this guy. Love the plugs allowed, Marty. Come on now. I I can't get rid of movies, music, or TV shows, though. I mean, that's just too tough. I know. I hated the TV show one. So. For me, music and podcasts are completely off the table. Got to have both of yeah. those. Imagine going to a bar, a club, hanging out with friends, playing to whatever your favorite drinking game is without having any music on. That sounds terrible. Listening to podcasts, as you mentioned, doing what we do, we wouldn't make as much. We wouldn't make as much revenue as a station. We might not exist if not for podcasts. You wouldn't exist. So I would like to keep that because I like my job personally. Um, between movies and TV shows. That one's tough. Yeah. I think I'd probably get rid of TV shows because there's more classic movies that I would want to keep in the catalog than TV shows. But moving forward, I don't know, man. There's some really great TV shows that that I would not want to get rid of. So I'll I'll go TV shows, but I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. There's a certain excitement for a new movie compared to a new TV show. Like TV shows that I watch, I just watch the same ones over and over and over. Oh, see, I'm super excited. So I'm waiting to watch the new season of Ted Lasso. No, don't you dare put any spoilers on the text line right now, ladies and gentlemen. I will close this thing right now. Um, I tried. I just couldn't get on board with that show. Really? I tried. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, dude, it's it's fantastic. It's I don't know if it's the best TV show ever, it's but it's not, definitely my Office favorite. Is the best well, TV people, show ever? People are saying it's the best TV show ever. No, I can't compete with the Office. Best is high. I I think it's my favorite. It's it's really good. I'm waiting to watch it until they they release all of the episodes so I can watch them all at oh, once. You're one of I'm those a, guys. I'm a crazy person. Uh, one's got to go. Music edition: classical rock, metal, alternative, or country. Classic, alternative, metal, or country. Go ahead, Marty. I'll I, let you take this. I one. just give me the Advil. I can't do, I can't do metal. Period. T. Our BK's thinking over here. Give me the Advil. I can't listen to country music. I don't like metal or country. I'm out of <laughs> yeah, both. I think I'm, I, I'm good with getting rid of two of these yeah, four. I think I'm, I think I got to get rid of heavy metal. I don't think I could handle. I like in certain occasions I can handle it, but overall I don't think I can take it. Country concerts are fun. I'll give you that, Alex. So I'm going to keep the country and I'll get rid of the metal as well, uh, which surprises absolutely no guy. No, nobody. The guy that doesn't have a, a man card is getting rid of the metal music. I get that. Six, five, seven, eight. Oh, is the air comfort yeah, service. You kept history. You know, that was important for one's got to go. One got to go. Night out edition. Mini golf, go karts, laser tag or going to an arcade. 
putt-putt, go-kart, laser tag, arcades. Are you asking me now or asking me back like when I could actually fit into a go-kart? I'm asking the gentleman that's standing to my right. Okay, well, I got to get rid of go-karts because I can't fit in them anymore. Really? We went for my niece's birthday and my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law's like six foot seven, so he's like super big. And we went out for her birthday a couple years ago and we went to swing around Funtown. We both got in and we're like, yeah, we can't get out. Like our knees were like up to our face. So yeah, I got to get rid of go-karts. I can't fit. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all those, but I've never done laser tag, so I'm going to have to go Oh, with that it's one. a good time, man. Oh, if you laser tag group, it's a good time. Especially if you get drunk before you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that may be an issue with me. I'll drink. God, Marty, every time this happens to <laughs> me. forgets every time. Every time, make Marty. for an interesting night, though. Out of these four, I think I'm going arcade's the one that's got to go. I love a good arcade, don't get me wrong. Um, two plumbers right out by me in St. Charles is a great arcade game, oh. or, or arcade bar. They've got a, it's a brewery with arcade. It's great. Um, but out of these four, I think that's the one that I'm getting rid of. All right, last one. Let's do this rapid fire edition. One's got to go St. Louis Staples, Union Station, the St. Louis Zoo, Grant's Farm, or Six Flags. I, I'm going to get rid of Grant's Farm. I've never been. It's a fun time. You've got a kid. You can't get rid of Grant's Farm. I can't because the zoo was in this. It's a fun time, but like if I got the option, I'm going to go to the zoo. So yeah, Grant's Farm for me. Scared of heights. Don't do roller coasters. So Six Flags is out for you. Um, Did you know the zoo's free here in St. Louis? BK's afraid of animals, so he can't do the zoo or Grant's Farm. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true. It's just not true. Um, I have never been to Grant's Farm. What do I need from Union Station, though? Why do I don't need to have, keep Union Station have, like, around? That's where the, that's where the uh, aquarium is. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of Union Station. I'm going to keep Grant's Farm around. I might have a kid one day. Maybe. I don't know. Not, <laughs> we'll see. Not after hearing what you do with cutting grass and putting them on a baby Bjorn. Cares going to be like, yeah, eh, not happening. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the Fast Lane coming up next. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Hey, this is your final week to enter the fast lanes heading up to Chicago just a few weeks from now for a special road trip to Wrigleyville. You could potentially win your way in on the fun courtesy of Walter Knoll Florist. Visit any of Walter Knoll's four area locations now through Sunday. You're almost up here. Find the QR code in store and get entered to win for a free weekend in Chicago. It includes two night hotel stay invitation to that all inclusive happy hour party with the guys on the fast lane that we've told you so much about. You can get more details on the special Chicago trip giveaway with Walter Knoll in the fast lane now at 101ESPN.com. Time to cross things over with the fast lane. We got BT in studio. BT, what's up, man? Nothing. Also added onto that trip is uh, plenty of ibuprofen, all the water and Gatorade. Okay. You can, you can <laughs> Maybe handle. some Pedialyte for the yeah, next day. Man, a couple of IVs. It'll be great. Yeah, you're going to have a great time. That's I can't wait have. for it. Oh, we will not be invited to that. Oh, it's going to yeah. be great, though, I'm well, sure. The way you've handled yourselves at other events, it shouldn't be shocking, boys. That's boy. true. That's very true. Touche. Our yeah. softball performance is the reason why we're not allowed to go to Chicago. And my pick and your pick'em challenge performance was replaced. Very I wasn't quickly even bringing up either one of those. Yeah, you were. I wasn't. You were oh, thinking. No, it, I wasn't. It was just he was talking about the act. drunken nights that that's we what don't I'm talking remember. About. That's why we can't bring them up. We don't quite remember them. Uh, I, um, I remember all of them. BT, are you more excited this weekend about the Cardinals, college football, or the NFL? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Everything, dude. Like I'm, I'm pumped up. Obviously, like like Cardinals are, and baseball is my first love, yeah. dude. But like I, I'm, I'm less excited for college. I'm more excited for NFL because that game last night, dude. I, I was telling the guys in in the office, it felt to me as I was sitting down to watch the Thursday night football game. I don't know why, but I felt like I was prepping to watch the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah, like I just had like the same energy going. Like, I missed oh. the actual kickoff, and I was like, oh damn, I, I was late. <laughs> I yeah. wanted to see the the actual national anthem. Be like, oh, who's singing? tonight. Well, yeah. Did you see Ed Sheeran did like a pregame yeah, performance? Terrible. He was hanging out in the box with Roger Goodell. What do you think the conversation is like between Goodell and Ed Sheeran? What, what do they, they talk about? I'm sure they have a ton in common. Oh, you're a singer? Exactly what it is, but. They were selling merchandise after the fact that was like it was the, the old starter jackets for the NFL. You know, it just had the NFL logo on the front and Sheeran on the back as like the they name They were selling plate. that? <laughs> yeah. It's like Rob Lowe's hat. Dude, they'll sell anything. I'm honestly asking, what is the Target audience for that. Who who was the individual? Lowe? Probably Rob Lowe and Ed I don't Sheeran. know who else. I mean, any Ed Sheeran fans who <laughs> yeah. also partake in the? I think Ed Sheeran's very talented. I like uh, and Ed I Sheeran. like the NFL, but the combo to me doesn't scream. I better get that Sheeran <laughs> NFL jersey. I've never once been like, you know what I want. A starter jacket, but instead of for my favorite team, an NFL logo with Ed Sheeran's name on the back. Why that's not, that's what I need in my life. Never once. How many other people have a favorite team though? That's true. I can end up being a. Thing. And how many other people can say like, "Hey, I have an Ed Sheeran NFL jersey." It's a good point. It's not the jersey though. It's a it's a starter jacket that that you've got. I don't know what it's, that is. it's amazing. <laughs> hey, do you guys always get this negative energy on the text line? I mean, it just started. Oh, Air boy. Comfort Service text line six five seven eight down. Says who's excited for the mediocre Cardinals? You mean the mediocre Cardinals that are in the thick of a wild card race? You mean those Cardinals? Yeah, the ones that are trying to chase down the Reds who are in town. Tyler Malley, John Lester, those guys. Yeah, it's Malley, by the way, boys. Molly. Not Molly, Molly earlier. No, not Molly. Very different. It's all right. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Very different things. Um, Very different things. I'm excited. I say that hesitantly. Uh, why? Why? Because uh, you've we, been. Are we sure Mundo Sosa is even going to be starting? No, actually, <laughs> due to the fact that DeYoung hit two ding dong Johnsons off of Mally at the beginning of the year. Nothing is certain at this point. Nothing is certain. But I'm certain I'm intrigued. Whenever the lineup game happens today, and uh, it, you don't know, happen. you don't know, it could be anything. But it could even be about. You know what? Though we were complaining weeks ago, it was like, oh, this is so easy. We know who's but now playing it every day. Be. Now, it, now we've arrived at the place where it should be easy, and it's no longer easy. And I'm confused by it. But it, hey, I'm I'm sure it's going to go well. Answer have they won two in a row? <laughs> I sure have. Is that damn near a winning streak? We're getting close. I would three, say it is. Three would count. That's and, correct. And to answer your question, BT, yes, it's always this negative. It starts at 11. Yeah. They, they Earlier today, somebody said if BK and BT had a radio show together, it would just be exclusively positive about the Cardinals. So My half would be got, for sure. I don't know where you would be on it. <laughs> so I, I've really been up and down Look, on the roller coaster this year. I have, too. And here's my thing with it that I could just continue to come back to in regards to, to the Cardinals, right? We know this year has been far from perfect. This year has been more bad than good, I would say, even though this team is above 500. Yet here you are, three games back of the wild card. So while, like, blow it all up in the offseason if you want to, or, or like, go make some wholesale changes. Go get yourself a shortstop. Get another starting pitcher. Add a Nick bench Castellanos, back. he's in town. Go ahead and bring him back next year. He'd be a good addition love for this team. He's going to cost a lot of money. but uh, Might be half of the years, though, than the shortstop. Well, could very well be. I'll take both. Look, it's not our money. <laughs> hey, but, I mean, I like that. At the end of the day. You want Scherzer, too? 
Yeah, of course. Hell yeah. Worry about that then, though. Like, for, for the here, for the now, you still got something. Yeah. It's not nothing. The other thing is, these other teams that are in the wild card race stink, too. The it's Reds true. are just you in a different uniform. The Padres are you with a worse pitching staff in a different uniform and with Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, I don't know how they've struggled. I don't understand it either. The same thing for, is true for the Mets. They've been bad all year long, and they just happen to be hanging around. The Phillies have a terrible bullpen, and they're, they've got weird issues all over the place. All of these teams are the same. Yours just happens to play in St. Louis, so we might as well root them on while they're still playing. BT, what's coming up today on the Fast Look, Line? All man? kinds of good stuff, man. We're going to break down that game like you guys were last night. We got our guy Matt Holiday on. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL pick'em. Apparently, we have a, a punishment now. So we're going to let Matt in on what the punishment oh, is. So it's not the airsoft? Well, no, that's still a weekly punishment. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, apparently that's still going oh, you on. Got there's an end the of year. the year punishment. Ooh, boy. So uh, hopefully, Matt's into that and he likes cold weather. Uh, we're going to break it all down. It's going to be fun, <laughs> man. Wild card weekend. He likes- I'm excited about the quote-unquote mediocre Cardinals, so we'll talk about them. <laughs> Looking forward to that. That's coming up from 2 to 6. I'll be with the guys from 4 to 6. I yes, think we're having, yeah, a I can't little, wait. we're having some football talk, I believe, with me and Stoltz. I mean, you guys going to break down Mizzou? You guys are breaking down the Cardinals, too. I've seen the uh, rundown. I'm looking forward the to that. The guy who went 1-2. Sure and and thanks for hanging out today. Absolutely. Somebody Happy to do it. a deadbeat. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll talk <laughs> to, to you guys on Monday on 101 ESPN. Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection, made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their Mizzle Collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. The Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is here. Get a bacon or sausage egg and Swiss croissant plus a small seasoned potatoes. That's a better breakfast for just three bucks in three easy steps. One, wake up. (sighs) Two, get out of bed. And three, head to Wendy's for your $3 breakfast deal. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Select a request $3 breakfast deal in order to obtain discount. Not valid for all card or combos orders. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii.